Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video or podcast on your favorite platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the videos or MP3 files, which you can download and enjoy without commercial interruptions. If you're into classic horror, ghost, and adventure stories, I narrate Nightshade Diary, and you can find links at nightshadediary.com. If scary stories are your bag, and listening to encounters with cryptids, ghosts, dogmen, and other weird creatures sends a shiver up your spine, then go to supernaturalstorytime.com for links to our weekly podcasts. Noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird can be found at eerie.news or visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at miamighostchronicles.com. Please subscribe to my newsletter on Substack. Just go to mppelliser.com for a link. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm good. Everything is good. I know that the show is a little bit staggered, but anyway, when you hear it, Happy New Year. It's uh, We're almost into the new year, 2023. I'm going to say it again because I've said it for the last few shows. It seems like the other day we were worried about Y2K. Here we are, 23 years later, and it's like, okay, so there we go, um, which makes you wonder sometimes do we worry too much about things that never come to pass? Because, you know, sometimes you people, they, they tell them, oh, you, you know, uh, you, you're like the ostrich, people that stick their heads in the sand and they don't want to see where there's things that need to get taken care of. But then the, the flip side of that is that sometimes we worry about things that never, in other words, whether it's fed to us or, you know, just we worry about things that never come to pass. And believe me, and I know there's people out there in the audience that either were children, not even born in the year 2000, but this was really hyped up. The Y2K thing was a big deal. You know, it was like economies are going to crash because the computers don't know how to turn over, whatever. I mean, you, you name it. Movies came out. Okay. Movies came out about the end of the world, <laughs> you know, as we know it. Uh, uh, meteors were coming our way. I mean, you name it, guys. Like, talk biblical. That was it. And now, 23 years later, it's like, hmm. And then I believe it was in 2012 that they had the Mayan calendar thing. Yep, same thing. You know, so it's, I think it's a mixture of both. Um, it's sometimes that we, in other words, sometimes some of the things that are said, fed to us through the media, through shows and stuff like that, and movies, people making money, of course. You know, we got to take it with a, a grain of salt, like say, this is just entertainment. And then, of course, yeah, there's other things that we should look at, but... The point being that I'm a person that always likes to be hopeful when the new year is coming in. And we've had a rough couple of years, but now I think we need to like look forward and expect good things. How's that? Expect good things. And um, God, what was her name? Oh my God, I can't remember. There was a psychic. She's French Canadian. I can't remember her name. Oh my God. Anyway. She would say that. That was one of her things about expecting good things, and that's why good things come to you. In other words, you know how they talk about people, good luck? You know how some people are lucky? And, man, they're lucky. And um, and I'm not talking just about, oh, they won the lotto. I'm talking about lucky as in good things come to them or happen for them. And I remember her. This was many years ago. Oh, Marlene. I wish I could remember her name. She would say that 
a lot of that trick, if you want to call it, because it's not a trick, is that she expected good things. Like in other words, if you want to call it a magnet, if you want to like talk vibration, however, you know, manifestation, I don't care what angle, but it's one of those things that, so my message for the new year is expect good things, expect good things and let them come to you. All right. Like, and believe it or not, and like I've always said, when you're hopeful, hope is the remedy for a lot of things. Okay. It doesn't mean it's going to resolve everything, but it lets you percolate ideas of how to resolve difficulties, whether they're small ones or major ones. All right. So there we go. Now let's get on to the good part. The good part is who is a guest today on Stories of the Supernatural. This is the first time this gentleman's been here. His name is Robert Lindsay Milne or Milne. He's a psychic intuitive counselor, teacher, healer, and life coach. He is recognized across the continent as one of the most insightful psychic intuitive counselors of his time. At a very young age, he realized his psychic gifts and started his first job working as a psychic intuitive doing readings at the Cozy Tea Room in Toronto. Robert has traveled the world giving insight with his psychic intuitive sessions to tens of thousands of people and has become recognized across the continent as one of the most insightful counselors of his time. Robert has also worked with the police and Canadian Secret Service, helping to gather intel and work on missing persons cases. Currently, Robert is hosting his podcast, My Side of the Crystal Ball. You can find the show on all the popular platforms, including iHeartRadio. He's also an award-winning baker. Oh, great. Help me welcome him. How are you doing today, Robert? I'm, I'm doing well, and thank you very much for having me on your show today. On the contrary. Um, we, we were talking um, a little bit um, before, and, yes. and we are just talking about being normal and everything. I, yeah. I, I like to think of myself as that. Right, right. You know, I, I, like, I would like to be like that. You know, I think sometimes people think that if you're psychic or something that you walk around all the time, like in a psychic days. And I imagine that that's not the case all the time, right? It, it's not the case all the time. And, and, it, and it's something that I work at, you know, being turned off sometimes. I am, I do have a sense of awareness most of the time, nonetheless. And, and if something occurs, I, I usually know if I should react to it or not react to it. You know, if okay. like a noise outside, oh, yes, I, 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 I know that. So that would be if I was at home and feeling really safe in my home. I think that when I go out, that instinctive circle of protection is, is around me. But that was developed as, as when I was a child. You, you know, I was um, the first time I was on the, on the streets, homeless. I was uh, 14. I was going to ask you, and you're yeah. going to beat me to that question. It says here you developed your your abilities as a child. Is this what, what you're talking about now, this time period in your life? Well, actually, I, that happened earlier. But uh, sorry, the, 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 the recognition and the developing. Um, okay. When, when I was about 14, for the first time, I was on the street, um, homeless. And then, then, you know, I got brought back home. And then when I was around 15, again, I left home and, and never fully lived with my family again. Mm -hmm. And the way that I got off the streets was surviving by my um, intuition, my psychic ability and awareness. Okay. And during that time, I heard that if you worked at the cozy tea room in Toronto and, and, and it wasn't really very cozy at all. It was kind of a dump, but, <laughs> but, but, but I, I worked there. Um, uh, and I heard 
that that um, if you worked at the cozy tea room and you did tea leaves and card readings, because that's what you had to do, um, you would get you would get um, a cup of tea, sandwiches, and a cookie. Um, oh. If you worked in the afternoon, um, and uh, you would get paid at the end of the shift. And if you worked at night, you had a hot dinner, uh, cookies and, 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 and a cup of tea and you got, got paid. And, and, and I applied there. I had never done a tea leaf reading before. I'd never done a psychic. Uh, I'd never done a card reading before, but, but I phoned uh, the woman, Mrs. Cox was her name. And I told her that I was a psychic and that I could do readings. And, and she invited me over and I went there and and I had, you know, the audition was do a reading for Mrs. Cox. I was about to say, did, did That's she right. put you? That was, that was, the, well, she wasn't going to let me out, you know, alone with her customers, you know, without being tested. So the, you know, the purpose was um, do a reading for her. That's, that's And um, like I said, I had never done a tea leaf reading before, never even thought of it uh, and never done a card reading but I had done psychic reading. So what I did, because I was, you know, pretty much a good, a survivalist. I was going to say you, this was, you had a lot riding on that reading. Oh, my, my, my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to say it, but yeah. And and what I did was, was I picked up the teacup and, you know, I had the little globs of stuff in it and and I held it up like I'm holding this and I held it, better be careful, I'll spill this. And I held the cup in front of me like that and I looked inside the teacup and over the edge of the teacup and looked at her too. And I didn't look at really anything in the tea leaves. I just talked about what I saw, what I felt. Okay. And then when it was came time to put the cards on the table, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, I put them on the table and I had no idea what they meant. But when I was talking, doing a reading for her, I would point to this and this and this and this, you, you know, and, and, and entwine it in, in what I was saying. And I got hired that day. So let me ask you, did she, when you were giving her the reading, she didn't give you any indicators if you're on track or not. She let you hang out there, huh? Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> she, 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 oh, absolutely. She didn't, she didn't help me at all. And, and um, I got the job. And, okay. and I started that day and right. that day I worked in the afternoon and I worked in the evening. So I got, you know, sandwich in the afternoon and a cup of tea and some cookies. And then in the evening I had a hot dinner and, 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 and a cup of tea and cookies and I got paid. And that night I had a place to sleep. I was going to say, where were you sleeping, Robert? Um, here and there on the street. Um, oh my God. Uh, wherever I could. That is, I um, know that you were a teenager, but still, that's that's still a very young age to be on the streets. And and that night, I had a place to sleep. Was there? It, was what there? No, or no, some no, of, no, no, no. Some other I had place. Money to go to a oh, place. Oh, okay. Now I understand. In other right? words, you could pay for I could, a place I could, to I could, sleep. I could, that's right. Okay. I had a I get place to sleep. Yeah, I had the money, and you know, I had a place to sleep. And the next day, I had a job to go to. That made all the difference, huh? And I worked at the Cozy Tea Room um, until I was about 21 years old. And and I worked there five days a week, sometimes six days a week. Um, 
Sometimes I worked seven days a week because there was another guy there by the name of Red Hawk. He was the star of the city. Um, he would get private parties and, and he would always ask if I'd like to come along. And if he had them, then I, that, that week I'd work seven days a week. Okay. And, and I did that. And, and um, that's how I, again, uh, developed and honed some of my abilities. So let me ask you, the tea room, what was it? People would come there, buy tea, and at the same time get a reading? Is that how it would work? Well, that, well that's, that, that's correct. The whole purpose was to get the reading. Right. In those days, and, and, and by the way, those days weren't that long ago. Um, <laughs> in those days, um, it was against the law to do psychic reading. Oh, I know where this is going. Okay. Yes. So, so um, in fact, it didn't even become legal. Well, decriminalized. Right, um, right, well, right. Actually, it was just wiped out. Um, and it was um, July 1st, I think it was 2019. It might have been 2018. It was, by the way, same day they legalized cannabis, but... <laughs> I, I don't know if there's any connection. What a coincidence, huh? I, I don't know, but, but but the two happened on the same day. So all this time, basically, anybody trying to operate like a tea room had since to make 18, it look like something else. That, well, how that long? Those laws were on the book. It was, it was called the Witchcraft Act. And, and um, it stated anyone who fraudulently, and there were mm -hmm. three or four subsections. First one was tells fortunes for a consideration. Uh, section B uh, um, accuses somebody of a crime using an occult or crafty science um, uh, fraudulently heals someone using an occult or crafty science. I can't remember the fourth uh, okay. is, some, is, is punishable by summary conviction of not more than uh, um, $5,000 and uh, not more than one year in jail. That was on since about 1865 uh, up until then. So, the rules were Mrs. Cox was selling sandwiches and, and tea. Uh, and as an entertainment, because there'd be signs on the wall say all readings are for entertainment, entertainment purposes. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So you were buying a cup of tea and, and cookies to get um, your tea leaf read read as a, I as a playful now. thing, right? But people took it pretty seriously. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Like you said, people are really going there not for the sandwiches, but for a reading. But yeah, well, I, I well actually, so I went there differently. I went there for the sandwiches. Okay, well, you, the you were all there. Your motivation and, was totally and, like that's right. And the reading, yeah. And let me. Um, how long has she had that tea room? Oh, it had been around for a long time. It was. Okay. It was. It was a landmark. Really? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I and thought. It, it sounded it, like that. It. In, and it was in her house. I guess her children moved out because um, all the it was a three floor house, um, and um, the ground floor, the you know the front room, was was turned into the uh, tea room, and and then and then the kitchen was converted into a real professional kitchen, and then okay. the upstairs, and there were some readers on the ground floor, and then and then upstairs. Um, in, in, in a couple of the different bedrooms that were made all the time and um, 
uh, we, we did our readings. My, my, my room was uh, right at the very top of the stairs, but it was somebody's bedroom. Uh, right, right. Well, she was like, she was, right. she was a businesswoman there. And, She's and like, then, and then down the hall where Red Hawk was, <laughs> Red Hawk, down the hall where Red Hawk was, um, uh, it was, it was a much bigger room, but, but okay. once again, it was somebody's bedroom. Right. Red Hawk was the star. This is, this is like, you know, um, 60 years ago, um, right. Red Hawk was the star of, uh, I'm sorry, not It was 50 years ago. Red Hawk was the star of, of the city in those days. He was, um, he was, well, I don't know how old he was. I, I, he looked old to me, but I was 15. So anyway, um, everybody looks old. And, and, and he was, and, and he was, um, part indigenous and he and he mm -hmm. came from the seven nations reserve just um uh near toronto um but he always maintained that he was of another another race as well and 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 when you know the, the pretty young girls would, would would come to him for readings you know mm -hmm. he would he would you know ask them you know where they're from and and they would tell him and he would say well that he was part aboriginal and part whatever the, this yeah the like, like the, yeah exactly yeah. and and he had um he had one of his legs partially amputated so he had a wooden leg Holy and he used but and he was the star but and he remember he was the star of the city and and um he also used to like to drink a lot Oh, and uh, at the beginning of the day, we oh. would, you know, the, like the tea room would open at eleven thirty in the morning, uh -huh. uh, and people would come in, and then we'd start doing readings at noon. Well, Red Hawk would, you know, show up at quarter to twelve, and the and, and the tea room would be filled. Everyone was there for him. He would be booked up before he even got there. And anybody else that came in, they would say, uh, well, Red Hawk's book, uh, how about going to see, well, in those days, I was called Bob Milne. Um, that's what uh -huh. I got. Or, or, or the hippie reader. Um, okay. That was the other one. And, and um, a lot of us at first, well, I certainly did, at first made money with, by the ones that Red Hawk couldn't do. Right. It was like, okay. So, so um, but he did like to drink, and and he always would 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 have a you know a jar in his in his in Let his. Me tell you I imagine those readings must have gotten wilder and wilder as that they progressed. Well, I guess, <laughs> yeah. So, and I worked down the hall from him for for you know five or six years, but but on a slow day. Well, Mrs. Cox, when when he wasn't looking, he, you know, she would go through his bag to uh -huh. make sure that you know there wasn't any whiskey in it. Okay. And and on a slow day, um, sometimes Red Hawk would 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 leave, get in the cab, and then and then uh, go to the liquor store and come back. I was like, hey, no, yeah. I'm bored. And and there was this one day, um, he he took his leg off. <laughs> now sometimes he would take his leg off by the way right and 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 um on this day it was a slow day he took his leg off and and um fell asleep on the bed and uh <laughs> mrs mrs cox came upstairs and she took his leg oh right? my god and, and, and she takes his leg and she you know she stores it down downstairs because she doesn't want him to get up, get in a cab, and go get some whiskey. Because she wants so, him to do readings. She took his leg. Yeah, right. she took his leg. So now all of a sudden we get busy. Red Hawk wakes up. Oh, my God. And he sees he can't find his leg. 
So he hops down the hall and he leans over the banister. Now the whole place is full. I was about to ask you, don't tell me there were clients there already. (laughs) Oh, filled. And and he's leaning over the banister saying, Pearl was the waitress, right? And he's Uh saying, Pearl, Pearl, bring me my goddamn blade back. Come on now. Oh my God. I can't imagine those clients must have been like, what? No, that happened. You know, things like that happen, you know, regularly at the tea room. You know, I mean, that, that, that. Let me ask you looking back, was Red Hawk as good as people thought, or was he just a product of hype? Not not saying that he wasn't psychic, but as good as people thought, was he just more of a product of hype than anything else? Red Hawk was. the number one person of the era okay there's no comparison to what he did to what anybody else was doing or anybody else after so um it was what was going on at the time Mm -hmm. and at the time that style he was the star how he was the star, I don't know. I always thought I was better than him. But that's, okay. But I was a kid, right? But that's another well, story. And, and the reason why I ask you is sometimes people, like you said, like, you know, he got booked. And it's like people go because everybody else is going sure. and he must be great. Well, well you the, know, he, the thing is, is that is that um, he'd been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a very good reputation. And okay. so he was the star for that era. He was a good guy, you know. Um, he, you know, like I said, he 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 was really nice to me. He he would, okay. you know, he would get extra extra um, uh, gigs on Sundays, and 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 he would bring me along. He was he was a really yeah. good guy. Um, but it, he was old fashioned. Okay. Um, he was old fashioned, and he was in this area poorly educated okay there wasn't very much knowledge about psychic things in in um the 1960s there wasn't that much information so and there was nowhere or hardly anywhere that people could go to learn about it right it was just that's right of your pants kind of deal that's that's right so he was a person of his time Okay. And that that time is gone and oh, yeah. and, and and done with. Yeah, no. So, that, that, that. Um, but people came back and 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 um and and he, and he was a good guy. And, that and, and that is and, such a great story, though that thing with the wooden leg being absconded. Yeah, I know. Absconded with. I was horrified by it, but but. <laughs> 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 so you said that you were there at the tea room till you were 21 About and then 21, what happened yeah. after that um well i i used to get fired a lot and i used to quit a lot um okay. i was a hard worker and i was i was really dedicated i was never late i was you know anytime i got called i'd call in um but i noticed that in the tea room it cost two dollars and fifty cents to get um, a tea leaf, uh, a cup of tea, and a sandwich. Okay. But they weren't getting a cup of tea and a sandwich; they were getting um, a reading. Okay. And the reader got a dollar, 
and the tea room got a dollar fifty. All right. And I looked around, and even as a kid, I saw all these old, worn out, tragic live people doing readings. And all of them were, all of us were, I guess. Um, and, and almost all of them were alcoholics. Okay, so I, all of them, including me, well, I wasn't declared that at 15, but, but certainly later on in my life, I, I indeed was an alcoholic and you always are. So, and it's been you know, like 25 years or something since I drank, but, but everybody was, 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 was alcoholic. Um, everybody was chain smoking. Everybody lived a really lousy life. They didn't right. do very well. And I looked around and, and I saw Mrs. Cox making a living from people like me. Okay. And, and it bothered me that because of people like me, she got a dollar fifty. And people like me got a dollar. So it, it, it bothered me. Um, I didn't, now remember I was a kid, you know, 15, sure. 16. I, I, I didn't understand there's rent, there's, you know, there's mortgages. But you know what? Considering you were that young, you had a lot of insight to look at these people that were working with you and seeing the quality of their lives. Oh, and imagine part of you must have been thinking that's not where I want to end up. Well, <laughs> that's exactly what, Ex except in those days, there was nowhere else to go. That was right. it. Right. Okay. So, um, I, I, I went through that for about, and I, and sometimes I would get angry with Mrs. Cox and she'd get angry with me and, and I'd get fired or quit or quit or get fired. And, and, you know, I'd be gone for a little while. And as soon as like we got near the end of the month, you know, she'd either call me and, or I'd call her cause you know, rent, right. pay, you know, and, and, uh, Break up to make up or make yeah, up to break up. Like or, and, okay. and, and I was very popular after a short amount of time. And, okay. and, um, I was, you know, number two to, to Red Hawk. So, okay. so, um, like I had established my own clientele and other people were making, uh, money by readings I couldn't do. No. So you were so, a moneymaker in other words. Oh, I was a man. Oh, you bet. I was a producer. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why she would call me back. Cause I was a producer. Of course. Um, and then, I don't know, anyway, as I said, one day I either got fired or quit or whatever. And I just decided that was it. Because you were like, and you know what? In other words, because I guess your, I imagine your life had stabilized from when yes. you started with her. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. you were, what, what did you think? Man, I can't spend the rest of my days doing well, meetings at the actually, team Well, right? that, that went on. So, um, at the time, or while I was at the tea room, I then, instead of moving into the flop houses, I moved into a um, flea bag hotel. It was called Larry's Hideaway. And, okay. and I rented a room. And while I was working at the tea room, I was doing pretty well. And I could always pay my rent. Anyway, when I quit or retired, I got fired. One of the three and probably all um, all of us. And, and, and I went from getting paid a dollar a reading. I increased to five bucks a reading. 
And everybody around that hotel knew that I did what I did. And and they, my nickname was psychic at the time, by the way. (laughs) And, and, you know, the place was filled with, um, you know, the ladies of the evening, their partners, Mm -hmm. um, single working men, um, and people that rented rooms for an hour at a time. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, full-timers and, and, um, so they were my clients, you know, doing readings for them. And I was about to say, why do I see that? They were like, man, we got an in-house psychic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go to oh, this oh, guy. Oh, yes. Oh, of course. Um, anyway, um, I, I quickly fell behind in my rent. And, and this went on for a little bit. And there was a guy that worked at the hotel, and his name was Whitey. And he certainly was a lot younger than I am now, but he was old. And okay. I, I, I really liked Whitey. He worked four nights a week. And uh, anyway, he died, not on the job. He died at home. And when I heard that, I went to the owner of the hotel and I said to him, could I have Whitey's job? But I don't want to get paid. How about um, a better room um, in exchange? So how about I work here? I get a better room and uh, board, room and board in exchange for working there. And he said, great, you're, you're hired. And um, all of a sudden, I didn't have to worry about making my overhead. I didn't have to worry about eating. I could just, I could just um, you know, work there at night and then, mm-hmm. and then do my stuff uh, later. And, and um, that, that's, that's also how I started learning how to, I, I taught myself how to read and write during those days um, because I had those late nights at the hotel. Um, there would be nobody around after all the girls had, you know, um, completed their, their, their task. So basically you were like, yeah, like you were what the one, because the the place was open 24 seven kind of deal. Yeah. And, and I was the one. night I was four nights a week. I was in the night okay. desk clerk. Okay. And, 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 and in those days, Toronto closed at midnight. So, okay. so by two o'clock in the morning, the place was, you know, quiet as a church. Okay. And and it was at that time that I was able to, you know, I went to this library across the street and I said, you know, I can't read very well. Could you recommend a book or two? And okay. and it was then that I, I, I started to learn to read. And 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 and, and I worked there for um four or five years. Okay. In exchange so for reading the book. Yeah. That's incredible. So now here you are in your mid twenties. Yeah. And so here's what's happening. So now I'm out here and you know, everybody loves me at the hotel and it's a sleaze bag anyway. Um, and, and, um, and I'm doing readings for ladies of the evening, drug addicts, pimps, you know, street people. And, you know, and, and I'm thinking, you know what, this is not what I have in mind. You know, I'm saying, okay, I, I, this is not what I'm going to do. And in fact, if, if, if this, if, if it was at this point that I made a deal with the universe okay, and, and I said, if you hear somebody drinking in the back, it's uh, one of my golden retrievers. He's having, I have, I have, I have eight dogs. Okay. So, so, um, at that point I, I, I said, if I'm going to do this work, I have to live well. Okay. And if I don't will live well, I'm not doing the job. And, and, I, and I made that vow. So I started thinking, how could I get recognized? Now, we're talking about 1974. 
Okay. Okay. Um, 1973, 1974, there, there, there wasn't any way to advertise or do anything. It was okay. So I was thinking, Plus, it's against the law. <laughs> and plus, it's against the law. But, but I know, I know. But what I'm saying is, it's yeah. like how you know, like, yeah. it's like you're just so, like okay. So, um, I thought to myself, now this had never been done in Canada. It we, okay. nobody had ever heard of this before. I said to myself, if I can do a reading for somebody in person, All right. could I do a reading for somebody on the telephone? Ah. And I thought, hey, well, there's only one way to find out, right? So, um, and this hotel was the old hotel, and you had to use the, you know, the, the plug-in. And, the switchboard and, uh, kind yeah, of yeah. I had to pick up the phone and, you, you, you know, and in those days I got room and board, but I had to pay 50 cents for a phone call. <laughs> um, so so uh, I would get the night, the guy on the desk, he would dial a, a friend of mine and I would call and I would practice doing psychic readings. Okay. And then I, you know, I'd practice with a bunch of people. And then I asked friends that if they could tell friends about me and, and that could I call them and do psychic readings. And I did that for oh, almost a year, you know, and, okay. and then, and then I, then I, then I just gave my name out to everybody. If you so want let me ask you something. When you were doing that, how were you I getting practicing. paid, Robert? Pardon? Oh, you weren't getting paid. This was for free. No, I was practicing. Oh, I was, okay, okay, I was okay. Trying to figure out how to do it. So, oh, so then, so... then after after just calling people, then I said, okay, anybody out there, just right. just call me. So I'd get a phone call in the middle of the night. Hey, it's Joe. What can you tell me? You know, and I'd go from asleep to awake, and you okay. know, then the realization came: how do you okay. get paid? Ah. Yes. And um, I, uh, how do you get paid? Well, you, uh, I didn't know. I, I, I'm certainly not going to do a reading for somebody and they'll say they send a check. You, you right. know, I'm, you know, I was a street kid. So I got yeah. that, that, that cash you know, is king kind of deal. Yeah. Sure. And so I thought, oh, okay, uh, nobody's going to, and by the way, very few people even had, credit cards they were right just, right no no i know that's what i'm saying this is the 70s yeah, that's this right was, uh... so so like how could i get the money and then i said if i can do readings on the telephone could i do readings on the telephone on the radio Okay. Well, okay. Well, once again, there's only one way to find out. Okay. And um, a friend of mine, um, you know, she was from a really a little town north of Toronto called Aurelia. And um, I'd visited her a few times and it was a nice little town. It still is, by the way. And, and a lot of famous people come from Aurelia too. Anyway, um, there was a radio station there and it was, it was either C J O R or C F O R. I appeared at both of them. One was a Vancouver uh, talk station and the other one was in um, uh, Aurelia and it was just a little small town radio station. And I called the program. I called the station okay. and, and I said, you know, my name is, and by the way, it went from Bob Milne, right. To, and to Robert Lindsay Milne, which really is my name. Okay. And, and uh, I said, you know, hi, I'm Robert Lindsay Mellon. And I, you know, tell him, 
and, and incidentally, the program director, the morning man and the talk show host was the same guy. That, that's how small the station was. So anyway, I called the guy. His name's Rusty Draper, and he was kind of like a, a bulldogish kind of guy. And, and I said to him, this is what I can do for your audiences. And he said, yeah, okay. If you can do what you say, you're on my show tomorrow morning at 10 after 9. And if you can't do what you, sh what you say, you're off my show by 20 after nine. Other than that, come on up. And okay. I said, okay. I didn't have any money. I, I oh, had man. no, like zero. No, I like love these stories. I'm sorry. I know that back right then and there, that was a tough moment. Okay. But you know what? That I, I, you know what I like about what you're so far, Robert? You didn't feel sorry for yourself. You... I'm, I'm listening well, I to your story for other people. I always no, 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 no. But there's right. people that get in the same circumstances as what you have been going through. Yeah. They kind of have all these excuses why, you know, and you were like always percolating. Like how, how, like what you said, I wonder if I can do this on the phone. Hey, wait a minute. I wonder if I can do this on the radio, on the phone. Well, it was, the well, it, well, I was, I didn't want to quit. Okay. I didn't want to quit. I wanted to keep doing it, but I also, I didn't want to live like those others. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and, and when I, Marlene, when I say that I didn't have any money, I was zero mm -hmm. and I was on, you know, and, and Aurelia was um, like a hundred miles away. Okay. I hitchhiked to <gasps> Oh Aurelia. my God. Now, oh my God! This is the seventies. I forgot hitchhiking was now. Now, um, the radio, the talk show, was specifically broadcast from the Howard Johnsons in Aurelia, and and it was a remote broadcast because they did have a radio station, but it was done from the restaurant because. Howard Johnson's was paying for the advertising so people would come into the restaurant ah, to have food. And right? oh my so, god, I had that blast from the past. Howard Johnson, okay, right? Keep going. So, so I hitchhiked up to Aurelia um, the day night before, and I slept in the park that night. And the lake surrounding Aurelia is called Lake Kuchichang, and I swam in the lake for my bath and shower there and you, you know i kind of dried off and 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 i walked to the howard johnson's and i must have looked pretty scruffy because you know someone said excuse me uh, what are you here for right and and i said oh i'm here to see rusty i'm gonna be on the show today or something and something like that and they brought me into this dining room and there was nobody there just empty <laughs> but the technicians setting up the show uh, anyway, Rusty shows up and, you know, he, we, you know, he says, okay, we're going to be starting here. And this was like a live in-person broadcast and it was going out live on the air as well at the same okay. time, but there was nobody in the restaurant. And, <laughs> and, um, so we start off, um, and, and, and he's not really being all that respectful to me. And oh. then, and then he says, okay, the, you know, and he says, okay, so if you're so psychic, you know, tell me something about uh me or whatever and, and i said okay um i'm thinking about someone with red hair um and has a last name something like richardson 
and um, it's a business meeting. And he looked at me and he said, and he, and he said, uh, stop talking about this. And, and um, then, then, then we went, then we went to a commercial and he said, I don't know how you know this, but, but um, I was being interviewed for another job. Right. Oh my God, Robert was like double barrel. Here you go. So now we go back on the air and we start taking phone calls. Um, he was like, yeah, man, let's talk. We talk to somebody else, but we, not we me. Start, we start taking phone calls. And I was under the assumption that the show was going to be on from, you know, like 9, 10 to 10 o'clock. So we start taking phone calls. Uh, now, this had never been done. Okay. It, it was the first time it had ever been done in Canada. Um, we didn't even hear about it from the state the first time. So all of a sudden, um, people start coming into the restaurant. And by like 9.30, the place is full. Okay. Um, and people are coming up to the microphone, asking questions. I'm doing stuff, taking phone calls, and people are buying coffee and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, and then and then um, at about ten to ten, Rusty says, "Can you stay another hour?" And I said, "Well, well, yeah, sure. I've never done this before, and it was oh. a rush, right?" And then, uh, it was, it was brand new. So let me ask you, people were calling in and you were giving them the reading yeah. over the phone. Yep. And of course they're letting, so all these people in the town are hearing this and they're going, and they're, we're going and, to the Howard and they, Johnson. And they, and they came to Howard Johnson. Wow. Okay. So, so now the place is packed and then by 10 to 10, there are people outside because this had never been done. Oh, wow. So anyway, we go then, and then, and then I go from, you know, 10 to 10, 20. And then they clear the restaurant and they fill it again. Oh, wow. So, and I'm still going, right? And now, now it's like quarter to 11. And Rusty says, can you stay another hour? The show, by the way, was only supposed to be one hour. I didn't know what it was, right? So he says, can you, can you stay another hour? And I say, yeah, of course. So again, we, the restaurant was filled. And um, three times during that. And, and so now we do the third hour, we get, you know, like 20 to 12. And I'm starting to fade because like I haven't eaten since the day before, right, you know, God. I slept, yeah. you know, I slept on a park bench, you know, and, and, and even though I was a kid, you know, I was a little tired. And, and, yes. you know, I, I looked at Rusty and said, I, 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 um, I have to stop at noon. And he said, yeah, okay. So, we, you know, the show's over, and this part was a bit of a blur. It still is for me, and and the show was was over, and I got up and stepped down off the platform, and then just people swarmed me, and and you know I was you know blown away by what I had experienced. Um, okay. I was burned out by what I had experienced, and okay. and it was like I was in just like a whole different world, and these people were just around me, and and they were saying things to me, and. I, I nothing was making sense and I was really quite overwhelmed and Rusty and the owner of Howard Johnson's one guy grabbed me by each arm and pulled me away I bet and I bet. and then and then we went into the owner's office and and they sat me down and 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 they said um could you stay over tomorrow and be on the show 
and I said, um, well, no, I, 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 I have to go home today because, um, I, I haven't eaten since yesterday. I, I slept in the park. Um, I'm tired and I'm hungry and, and, and I just want to go home now. And the guy that owned Howard Johnson said, well, we can take care of you here. And Rusty said, by the way, do you do readings? And remember, five bucks a reading, right? And, and I said, well, well, yes, I do. And he said, well, we could have, if anybody would be interested, we could have one of the girls at the station. Actually, he probably said one of the gals at the station. Um, book appointments, if anyone's interested. And he said, um, uh, how much do you charge? And I said, 25 bucks for reading. I love it. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I know he's not going to say no $5. That's uh -uh. right. And, and, and he says, uh, oh, you'll never get that here. And I said, I don't care. Right. I've been living at this flea bag hotel. Um, right. Now I'm at Howard Johnson's. The owner says to me, you can stay over here. You can have anything you want. Um, right. Okay. Larry's hideaway, Howard Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. So I don't get any readings fine. Then I go home with a full belly the next morning or the next right. afternoon. So then the guy says to me, if anybody is interested to, in booking an appointment, um, you can stay here as long as you need to, to do the readings. Again, same deal. And I say, okay. So we do the show and they booked. Are you hanging under your chair? A hundred and thirty readings. Oh my God, Robert! That guy must have been like what? A hundred and thirty. <laughs> so readings. how many? How long did you end up staying? There? I was I was there about about ten um, um, nine days. But you okay. see, people were coming into the hotel anyway, and people were coming into the hotel even just to say hello to me because nobody okay. had experienced this before. Okay. So I was bringing lots in anyway. All right. So as I'm sitting there doing my readings um, and I'm watching this wad of money, it and just like, keeps ah. getting bigger and bigger. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so you're not going to hitchhike home. Yep. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you can take a bus. And I'm saying, oh, yeah, that's good, good. Right. And then, and then, and then, you know, I'm the wads getting bigger and bigger and, and like, bigger. And then I think, well, you know, you could take the train and, you know, and the wads getting bigger and bigger. And right. then you say, okay, um, you could take a cab. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to take a cab. Then, then, then I say, well, hey, maybe, um, maybe I can catch an airplane flight to Toronto. So I call Aurelia Airport to see if, Air Canada lands there and it doesn't. But the guy says, well, we have, we, we have charter flights to Toronto. And I said, how much is that? And he told me, and I had this wad of money in my pocket. So I finished all my readings and I made more money than I thought was ever in the world. And uh, on the day that I left, I took my bag and I took a cab all the way to the airport and went home in a chartered airplane. It was a DC. It was, it was like a single engine set. That's not Landed in Toronto uh, Island Airport. I took a cab to Larry's Hideaway. And over the next couple of days, um, 
I, I, I looked at newspapers okay. and at the time I'd also um, organized and been connected with an organization called the um, new age center um, in Toronto. And, and it was a psychic group and I'd started going there in the daytime and, and they had appointed me the psychic of the group. And, and um, a couple of days later, um, I, I found this apartment just around the corner from uh, the New Age Center, and, okay. and I paid six months' rent in advance, and, and I put everything I had that I owned um, at Larry, you know, that I could put in a cab at Larry's Hideaway, and I uh, went up to um, St. Clair and Avenue Road and started being the psychic at the New Age Center, and then I started calling radio stations across Canada, um, telling okay. them what I could do. And, and, and that's, that's the way I started my uh, performing career. Didn't they call you back from that original station wanting you to come back? I imagine they must have. Um, I went back a couple of times. Um, one of the things that I learned early is, is um, don't be too available if you're performing. Right. Okay, I, right. I, I learned that. Right, right. And, because, yeah. Because yeah. that, 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 that holds true across everything in life. Absolutely, absolutely. And, 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 and I learned that. And, you know, but basically what I do, you know, first time, oh, well, man, this is incredible. All right, well, next time, oh, uh, this is incredible. And next time, yeah, this is incredible. You're really good. Next time. Uh -huh. Wow, you're really good, Robert. Um, they're all equally as incredible. It's just that familiarity. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that, That's that, right. that, that all thing that comes in for the first time. That's right. So, but I can imagine, though, that when you were going out there, you could give a reference. You know, maybe they might have heard you or something versus an unknown totally unknown absolutely well i was already on this radio station and once again there weren't anybody doing there weren't there yeah. wasn't anybody doing that and then after i'd started you know going to some stations and things um i then got my own radio show on cjrn radio niagara and, okay. and i went to um niagara falls every week and did my own talk show psychic okay. show Okay. And, and, um, and that was again in, in the seventies and, and, and I'd had several of those. And then I just, um, had regular spots a, 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 across Canada. Right, and then, then in the known. States and then around, well, I was one of the only guys doing it. Well, but see, the thing is also it, you were successful. It wasn't somebody that said he was psychic, obviously. Oh, I did it. You did it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's right. That is what a great, story that is not a great story that is yeah. but i've been like that all my life i you, you know um the, there was only one way to find out if i can do it or not well let's try doing it right and and i've done that no actually i want to change what i just said um let's do it as opposed right. to let's try doing it so i, right. I let's do it and and um and believe me, I fall, uh, you know, it isn't all been, you, you know, grand slam home runs at right. the bottom of the ninth, you know, okay. uh, and, and you win the World Series. It, it hasn't been like that at all. There, there have been times where, you know, I have bombed out mm -hmm. and, and, and there are times that I've, I've, I've done really well. Um, okay. 
there was one time um, I was at the spiritual retreat and part of my work was to do psychic readings for everybody. This was in the organization that I had. And then when you say this was for people or people could come in to see, or this was just for the members. We were having, well, um, this was uh, our organization, the new age center, mind dynamics. We, we had um, branches in several parts of Canada and, and, I had the privilege of being like the front man. I was, I would go on all the radio and TV shows and perform psychically. And we'd say, okay, if you want to learn how to be psychic, you know, come on down to the new age center and, and stuff like that. And, and that's right. what I did, but we were having this spiritual weekend where, where people came from all across the country to participate. And, and uh, well, actually we were, we did it in Alberta and um, that's where we did it. So, um, so I came across the country too, to do it. And what I was supposed to do in the first night was stand up and do live psychic readings for everybody in the group, you know, right. like perform it. And, and, um, you know, I was a little cocky in those days. <laughs> a little bit, you know, and, and, um, anyway, you know, this big hot shot from the East comes out to, uh, you know, prove how great and psychic he is and performs for all the troops. And first night there, and I'm doing my show, everything, absolutely everything I said was wrong. Everything. And you were like, what? And agonizingly i made it for almost 40 minutes i was supposed to do an hour but can you imagine standing up in front of all these people and everything you say is wrong and what do you what was it you must have been asking yourself what is up well that wasn't the words i was using but yes i know <laughs> i know <laughs> you must have been thinking like, what the <laughs> you bet okay um, well, I, I, well, actually I was just stunned. And, and, and finally I just said, I'm sorry, I, I just can't do this. And, and I stopped. It was devastating, absolutely crushing. The next night I had to do it again. Oh, and I came back and I nailed it. In fact, it was one of the best shows that I had ever done at that time in my life, the very next day. And in spite of the fact that it, I was so excited, you know, cause I, you know, pulled it out of the fire again. It was, what am I going to do if it happens to me again? Right. And what did you think happened? Because you're a human being. Well, I, I'm going to tell you um, what happened was one of the greatest lessons of my life. I learned absolutely what it felt like to be wrong. <laughs> and do you know how important it is to know when you're wrong and when you're right? Of course. And I found out what it felt like. So now that I know the extreme of that, as we get closer to the line, Oh, is this right? Is this wrong? I know which one has more of the 
ingredients than the other. Okay. Okay. I, 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 now I know what it's like. And that was one of the greatest lessons I ever could say. And, and, you know, we had a couple of, you know, people there um, and, 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 and a couple of llamas that were there, not the animals, the, the, the spiritual guys. Um, and, and I'm uh, sorry. It's okay. And, and, you know, they said that, they said that it was, you know, that, that it was, you know, in my karma to learn um, what it absolutely felt like to be wrong so that I would know what it would be like to be right, which also impacted my way of being and thinking. And, and at this time, you know, what we are one way, we are equally the opposite and everywhere in between. So, so let me ask you though, as a as psychic, good, aren't, aren't you there? And, and let me ask you as a psychic and as a human being, but aren't there days that maybe you're just tired, like normal stuff that maybe you just like, I need to lie down or just take it easy? Well, well, once again, um, okay, let's use that as an example. I'm having, I'm tired, I'm burned right. out, I'm not feeling very well, I hate everybody <laughs> in the whole wide world because I'm burned, you know, and right. all of a sudden I get this emergency call. Okay. Okay, I crawl out of bed, you know, and I say, oh, you calling me for, not to them. How come right. I have to, right, can I even get sick? And then I go to work. Okay. I focus, and I know when I'm right, and I know when I'm wrong. Okay. That's how it works. Robert, have you ever, has somebody come to you for a reading, or like you said, one of these calls where you're thinking, I'm not getting the right answer like i'm have mm -hmm. you ever that you're like mm, i don't know where this is going or you just i, I guess for lack of well, a psychic wall where you just well, can't get yes um because somebody has enough money to get a reading from me mm -hmm. doesn't mean they get a reading from me all right that's not the main criteria okay the main criteria of getting a reading for me is that I have to know that I can do the absolute best I can at that time. And if I can't do the best that I can do at that time, I don't do it. And at that time when I'm doing a reading, if I do a reading and it's not my best at the time I did it, and that person tells me, then I give them back their money. And okay. that's an absolute 100% guarantee forever. So right. if you had a reading from me in 1975, and now you come and say to me, you know, Robert, that time I saw you at the cozy tea room or Larry's hideaway, <laughs> that was a really shitty reading you did for me. <laughs> and I'd nothing say, happened like what you said. Well, well, that's right. I would say, I am so very sorry. Here is your money back. Okay. Now you're not getting today's money back. Right. Of course not. <laughs> right. You get the bread you paid me at first. Now right. I guarantee that absolutely right. forever. So when I do a reading before you get to have that reading, mm -hmm. I have to decide, am I proud ah. enough for it to go out? And there are times where I say no. Ah, that's what I was. Have you ever said that to absolutely. somebody? Said, I'm Quite sorry. Often. I Absolutely. Absolutely. If I'm not able to give that person my best, okay. I don't do it. Okay. That's great. Because you know what? I think sometimes people think that 
a psychic is like, you're always going to say, yes, I'm going to give you a reading or I'm well, able to. I, 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 that's not a guarantee. Let me ask you, how about, have you ever had a reading? I imagine where would you see, yeah, I imagine people usually come to you expecting, like there's something that they're looking for specifically more or less. And well, what yeah. you're going to tell them is not really what they want to hear. <laughs> How's that? Um, sure. Um, yes. Um, giving bad news. Right. Whatever. Now, I, I, now yeah. you know, this is a, a conundrum. Giving bad news. Scaring people. Well, so, well, that is what can happen. Well, and, and the reason why I'm saying this, it doesn't even have to be scary. I'm going to well, give you I an example and you tell me. All like, right. well, scary? No, it could be scary. I'm sure you've maybe seen things that you're like, oh. oh well, I tell God. them. You do. Oh, and, but how about the person that comes to you and they're thinking, I want so-and-so back or whatever. You know, something. I, I tell them if they will be able to come back or or if it's most likely that they won't, I'll give them that information. Right, right. Okay? And that's what, people, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't miss, I don't, I don't um, uh, lie when I do read. Right. Okay. I, now that would be that I've 100% lied or never lied. Right. Well, well, I have. Um, I have. Um, but very, very seldom. And, and. Um, I, I, I'll tell you about one of the times I lied um, okay. in, in a little bit, but but I'll I'll, I'll talk about um, uh, not not lying and talking okay. about telling the truth. Now, I want everybody to have the happiest reading I can give them, and I want sure. them to leave feeling great. But there are times that people have difficult times coming, okay. and and it's my moral obligation to give them that information okay. because forewarned is forearmed. Yes. If I say um, at four o'clock tomorrow afternoon at the corner of Hollywood and Vine, you're going to get run over by a dump truck. You don't have to be at Hollywood and Vine. Of course. So if you can see it, you can change it. Okay. Destiny cannot be seen. Therefore, I was about to say, what if that's a person's destiny? You that's won't see what, it then. What, then you wouldn't see it. Because okay. if it can be seen, it can be changed. Okay. Which answers a whole bunch of other things about destiny. So we, we can get into that too. So I give information, but it's it's how I give information. And, and now... I, you know, I'm 73, 74 in the summer. I have been doing this now in next month, January, for 58 years. Wow. It's been my career. And in that time, I've done more than 100,000 psychic connections. I haven't seen it all, but I've seen a whole bloody lot of it. I okay. Bet. Yeah, I've seen a lot. Um, now, what, what I do when I know something's going to happen, when I see something's going to happen to somebody, what I do, because when I'm doing readings, um, I am constantly moving forward and backward in time. And in readings, I often see, you know, the, some, you know, the conception and the completion of, of, of someone's life and, and everywhere in between. And I move back and forth several times 
um, in, in the reading I do. So when I'm sensing something bad is going to happen, right. what I do is I look in the future and describe the positive result of the negative event that they're going to go through. Okay. And then what I do is come back and talk a little bit. And then I just drop like a little seed in the, in the, in the water. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I just drop a little hint. Then I talk about the success of the negative thing that's going to happen some more. And then I'll talk about other things and then I'll drop a bigger hint, but not very big. And sometimes I'll take like 35, 40 minutes to okay. give them that information in pieces. But by okay. the time I give them that information, they've already figured it out. All right. I've already told them that they're going to survive it. Right. And they're already planning to how to deal with it. Yes, exactly. So that's that's one of the ways that I, I, I give um, negative information. Right. You just don't wallop them over the head. Absolutely. With it and, and then and then when I'm doing readings for people and, and, and often when I'm doing a reading for somebody um, and often they come to me during some really difficult times. What what I also do is I project myself into the future. Say I'm talking to, a, uh, let's say someone's 40 because it's easy to do the numbers. So I'm doing a reading for somebody who's 40 years old, man or woman, doesn't matter. Um, and and um, they're going through an awful time today. What I do is move forward into their life, say when they're like 80, 81 years old. And through their eyes, at 81, I described to them at 40 how they feel at 80 about the way they solved the problem. Ah, okay. Okay. And, and you should see the healing on their faces, Marlene, right. when, 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 right. when I share that with them. Yes, exactly. Because it's, they know it's, it's, that's right. it's that light at the end of that's the tunnel right. kind of thing. That's right. I thought just about everybody did that. I since I've done, you know, come out of my semi-retirement, you know, a couple of years ago, I'm discovering not very. I haven't met anybody that does do it that way. Just well, me. I think that that I think that some things, like you said, if it's inevitable that there's something difficult, you have to they have to go through for whatever reason, their sure. karma, whatever. Maybe they brought yeah. it on themselves whatever but if you tell somebody you're going to figure out or some you're going to be at on the other end of this of course you know yeah it, yeah as difficult as that might be the journey it's different because you you know okay somebody's telling me it's going to be okay well that's, and showing them yes of course right and that but, well, makes all the right. difference in the world that's right. i think people are more scared sometimes of thinking this will be permanent or I won't figure it out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't see any answers. I don't see how I'm going to get out of this or how of this course. is going to get resolved. Absolutely. absolutely. That I think is the worst thing for a person versus you telling them. You know, one of the things that I've been noticing, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was a recorded talk or you were actually talking when you were talking about, about, um, uh, um, um, talking about, uh, just I just forgot it for a moment about about things that are. Oh, damn, I forgot it, and it was in my mind. This, this is what, back. yeah, it, it'll come back. And it was about, um, um, oh, 
um, how, how we project ourselves. And and in the talk you talked about, is it is it um, manifesting and stuff like right. that? One of the things that I've been noticing a lot in the last several years, I guess because I become more aware of it, is is um, manifesting. And in the old days, manifesting, you know, like go back to um, so you think, so you are. Maxwell right. Cahill Gibran, like what's that? Like fifties, forties, and and so so you think, so you are. What you think is what you get. Mm -hmm. So it's all in your head. Oh, okay. Well, then if you think about it, you get it. Right. That means if you think about it and you get it, your master, your 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 um, uh, uh, manifesting it. Right. And then I also will point out to somebody when you find yourself in a negative situation, when you find yourself overwhelmed or whatever that is, you ask yourself a question. What are you thinking about? Ah, boy. What, what are you concentrating on? Yes. And then I say something cute like, um, I'll bet you dollars to Tim Horton's donuts because Tim Horton's a famous uh, donut chain here. I'll bet you dollar because I promote Canada, right? So <laughs> any, uh, I'll bet you dollars to donuts that that Tim Horton's donuts that what you're going through is exactly what you're thinking about. Yes. And yes. if you change your focus of attention, it will you will get other things. Then I go on to say now the instinct is. Oh my God, I see the light. I'm going to be a positive thinker. Well, no, 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 no. What you just do is move your thinking a few degrees the other way, not ex all the exact way, because first you can't, you can't make that kind of leap. Right. Second, even if you could, you can't keep it going because you haven't had that experience. Move your focus just a few degrees. And, and in a relatively short amount of time, you'll change the focus of what you're getting. Well, what happens is that people think, like what you just said, okay, you maybe you're, maybe you're, you're concentrating on the negative aspect or worst yeah. case scenario, yeah. your fears. And I, and I know Absolutely. fears sometimes they can run the show. Absolutely. You, when people realize, okay, when, let's use the generic think positive, whatever. I know that's very new agey, but whatever. Think positive or let, let, or don't concentrate on that or that. And then people, you tell them you, but it comes back and it's like, yes, you have to keep pulling well, yeah. yourself away from that, pulling yourself away from that thought. It's not like one time because you will automatically go back over there and because that's, believe it or not, your comfort zone. I hate to say this and people don't get it, but well, that negativity sometimes becomes your Wooby, <laughs> how's that? Okay, so um, um, another another way to describe it then, um, changing your way of thinking. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, when I was in my thirties, at, at at thirty three, I had weighed over three hundred pounds, and and in over a two year period, I I, I lost like one hundred and fifty pounds or something like that. Yeah, back. So so I understand. So I'm so, okay. So imagine um, somebody. Um, 150 pounds overweight and you say, okay, you got to stop uh, and get on a diet. And as soon as you start doing that, 
um, you, 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 you'll sort. Well, imagine that person 150 pounds overweight after a week say, holy shit, man, I've been uh, on this diet and I still weigh 300 pounds. Like, ah, right. So what you have to do is, 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 is build the energy. Build the, uh, you, you know, the focus, and and when you're extreme, you, you you also have to give yourself the opportunity to reach that extreme in the opposite direction. So that's why I say, don't. So what did just you do? Switch. How did you lose that weight? Willpower. What What did you do? I'm sure there's people going, "What?" I um, realized. Mm-hmm. that at, at about 30, 31, that if I kept, and, and I used to chain smoke, you know, two packs oh, of cigarettes. And, 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 oh, I had the odd drink or two as well. And, and um, I realized that if I continued, I, I was, I was going to die. Okay. So I decided that I, I didn't want to die. And, and I decided that I wanted to um, change my life. So the first thing I did was um, I decided that I would quit smoking cigarettes. Good. And um, what I did is, is on January 1st of that year. All right. Um, and by the way, it was the year that Charles and Diana got married. Um, on January 1st of that year, I said to myself, on July 13th, you're going to stop smoking cigarettes. Oh, and so you gave yourself an ultimatum date? I, I, I gave myself, of course. I okay. gave myself by July by July 13th, which was my birthday. It was my mm-hmm. 33rd, 32nd birthday. Um, I, I said I would quit smoking on that day. And what I did at that point, January 1st, mm-hmm. is I paid attention to, I started just paying attention to where I was smoking. Oh, you know what are the secrets? There you go. I started paying attention to where I was smoking, when I was smoking, and how much. So the next thing I did is I took my cigarettes and I put them in one part of my uh, house. I took my lighter and put it in another part of my house. And I took the ashtray and put it in another spot. Okay. And, I ne- and, and I realized that the two places I smoked the most was when I was on the telephone and when I was, when I was in front of the TV. And I kept my cigarettes and everything away from the telephone and the TV. When I wanted a cigarette, I'd have to get up, get the cigarette, get the lighter, get the ashtray, smoke the cigarette. And every time I lit the cigarette, a cigarette, and every time I put it out, I said, on July 13th, you're going to stop smoking. Okay. And and then I would say, now, on July, now, um, I you're going to quit smoking on July the 13th. So enjoy this now. And then what I started to do is, you know, I was delaying lighting a cigarette. Then I started to get in touch with the withdrawal symptoms. And one of the things that happens when we get withdrawal system uh, symptoms is we can't think beyond the moment. All we can think of is we've got this and we can't think beyond and we can't see that at a length. So 
what I started to do is becoming understanding of the symptoms uh, of right. the of the withdrawals. Mm -hmm. So I started taking longer between okay. each cigarette. So if you were experiencing a little bit of anxiety, you dealt with it, and then it's like, yep. I can hold out. And absolutely, and I kept stretching the time. And every okay. time I lit a cigarette, I then said, "On you know, enjoy it," because on July thirteenth, you're gonna. And how much were? You, how many packs were you smoking originally on, on January first? Uh, two packs, two, two, two 25 um, packs. Okay. I smoking the odd joint back in those days too, or a lot. So, um, as well as, you know, eating like a pig. Um, so, so but, but, but let me ask you, did, as you were, is each month we're going, did you cut down the amount? Oh, absolutely. Oh, right. I, each day I did. Okay. I stretched out each time right. um, from time, you know, like each time. And, I, I was going, uh, by the way, I made the vow in England that year, to, you know, um, in England in July the, or uh, January 1st. And then I came back to visit my friends in England um, in, the, in the last week of June and through the first two weeks of July to celebrate that I was going to quit smoking, right? Because July 13th. And, and so um, as, I, as I, I just got used to... Um, not being afraid of the withdrawals. All right. I, 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 I took it on as a, as a, um, an opponent. Okay. And, 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 and I wanted to beat the opponent up. Like in How the old were you when you started smoking, Robert? Oh, 14. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say very young, probably. Yeah. On, on, on the street. So, so, um, I went over to England and when I went there, you know, I bought, I brought with me like a couple of cartons of cigarettes just in case I didn't make it <laughs> and a bunch of lighters and stuff. And um, I was withdrawing and, and about a week before my um, uh, birthday, I was out to lunch with my friends and, you know, I was going through the process, you know, I, you know, I'm on my birthday on July 13th, you're going to quit smoking. And, you know, I went to light up a cigarette like I said, it was about a week before my birthday. And I went to light up a cigarette and I just said, hey, who are you kidding? You're either going to stop or you're not. And right. like, if you're going to stop, then just stop now. Just cut the crap. And and um, I didn't light that cigarette. And and throughout the afternoon, I gave away all my cigarettes and my lighter. Ah, kept... see, that's like that's how, that's when you're oh, like you were that was it. Oh, that was it, right? I was ready, and and I kept one cigarette. Okay. And, and I waited until I kept it until I went to sleep that night, smoked that cigarette, um, and never had another one again for years after that. Yeah, but see that you were very smart. You gave yourself those seven months and you did that mental thing oh, yeah. where you started seeing yourself. Yeah. So when I'm doing life coaching with somebody, um, even back in those days, but even now that, that, that has an addiction or specifically cigarettes, the first mm -hmm. thing that I tell them is I congratulate them on their incredible accomplishment. What do you mean? You know, I spent all my life smoking. So I said, really? Do you realize that you have done a miracle? You have taken what's abnormal to do and made it normal. And what you've learned to do, you've learned to suck smoke in your lungs. Mm -hmm. 
and still live. Now, <laughs> and, and, and in order for you to do this, you <laughs> had to spend a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of energy to accomplish this feat, to make, to change what was abnormal to normal. Sorry, what was normal, sorry, what was abnormal to normal. And the only thing you need to do now is take what you made normal and make it abnormal. And you've already proven you can do it. And you don't have to put as much energy into uh, um, quitting because it'll be faster than it's taken you to get to this level. Right. And they must be thinking, I thought that was a compliment because I'm sure that when you explain it that way, they must be like, uh, well, it is like a compliment. So then people, and I say, okay, let, let, let's start, like, like, let's plan for it. Now let's start. Okay. So, you know, then someone comes to me and says, ah, oh, man, you know, I've been, you know, trying and I, and I, and I just uh, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't stop. And I said, how, how 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 long were you off the weed you know or off the cigarettes and guy uh -huh. says oh i was off for uh six months and i say congratulations when was the last time in your life you went six months without a cigarette because I, I never have I say, well hey congratulations now you know for absolute certainty you can go six months without smoking you can do it let's try seven right and 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 so we look at it as they put energy out they're not dickheads sorry i guess yeah, they're not fine. jerks right they're they're, they're 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 not weak in fact they did something and put a lot of effort in to it um, to, to be able to do whatever what, what they wanted to do for whatever reason. But it's important to know with a little bit more energy, they can make it different again. Sure. And that's how I go about dealing with people and their behaviors. Now, you have worked also with the police. I have. How did you get done? How did how, did they come to you? You went to them? How I never work? do that. I So I... I I never go to the police. And, and, and let me tell you something else that I never do. Well, I almost never do is I never offer a reading. I never, I never, I never. In, in, in fact, when, when someone comes to me for a reading, I don't care one way or another if they have the reading or book the appointment. I will not do anything to encourage them to do it. Now, now I, I want to be clear. After I've taken them on as a client, different story but when it comes to whether they're going to book an appointment i don't care one way or another you know and, and so I don't what happened it. how did the how did the police because i know the police are really weird about this i mean you okay. hear about it, but they don't want to admit to that okay so um the witchcraft act caused it so here's how it happened oh boy um as now there's another city between um, Toronto and Aurelia, and this city's called Barrie, and Barrie is a little bit bigger than than um, Aurelia. And for years, I used to used to do um, a show on CKBB, and in the very very early days, um, Barrie 
dollar for dollar was the best earning city for me in the world. Now, it didn't make the most amount of money. It made the most amount of money for the least amount of effort. Okay. So when I, um, a lot of times in the early days when I was going on tour, I didn't have enough money to get an airplane ticket. Sometimes I didn't have enough money to get a train ticket. So okay. what, what I would do is I would, I would go up to Barrie, Ontario, which is um, a 70 mile drive. Okay. And, and, and I'd drive up there in the morning and, and I would rent a motel room. <laughs> See, I'm going up there and, you know, I, I can get a motel room anyway. Then I would go to the radio station do telephone do do call in you know do a two-hour okay. call show run like hell back to the uh um uh motel answer the phone i would do you know and i'd book a bunch of readings for the afternoon and evening and okay. the next morning and so i'd book like 15 20 readings and then the next morning i'd leave so the only expenses that i would have would would be the first night at the motel and and dinner that's it. And that was it. And everything else was, 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 was profit. So that gave me a next, the next money to go to the next town. And, that, right. and, that's, and that's how I'd go on tour. So um, I'm in Barrie doing a thing and um, there's a knock at the door. It's, it's at night. It's, it's cold night. So I'm remembering it's like wintertime. Um, these two cops are at the door and, and, and they want to talk to me. And, and I, did like, not, oh. I did not want to talk to them. And one of the my one reason is because I was doing readings. <laughs> I was thinking, you're thinking, right? oh, geez. Right? I didn't get a, I didn't give a damn about getting busted. I was getting readings and 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 a reading was being interrupted and stuff. So, so anyway, what had happened several months previous in this beautiful um small city on the shores of um Lake Simcoe, um, there was this woman, and I will not tell you her name, um, okay. but I know her name. Um, there was this woman who was a very, very upstanding, uh, responsible uh, woman, uh, married with a child. Um, she was the type of woman that does everything correctly. Right. You know, you know the type. She's just sure. she goes by the rules. She does everything. She was she was just a very special, responsible. She was a good Italian mother, a good Italian girl. Okay. And and um, her and her husband had jobs, and their son got dropped off at daycare center. Or I believe it was at the uh, YMCA or YWCA. This one particular day, she got a day off. I think she was either a school teacher or a nurse, one of the two. Anyway, she she got a day off, and she decided that instead of having her son at home that day with her, um, she decided to, again, take him to the um, daycare, and she was going to go to the hairstylist and have a haircut and all the, you know, right. things that women do there. And, and um he got he got to the he got to the uh um daycare her car got to the mall her car got to the mall right outside where the um beauty salon was mm -hmm. 
but nobody ever saw her and nobody ever saw her alive ever again. So in other words, she never went into the beauty salon. She never made it, never made okay. it. And nobody knew what happened, but there was a big outrage and, and the police had run out of leads just, and, and they were getting desperate. And, and um, this was in the headlines. It was in the headlines and, and, and even in, even in Toronto and stuff. And uh, anyway, these, these policemen came to the door, knocked at my door, and they said that, you, you know, they wanted me to help them in this. And, and I said that um, I didn't do those kinds of things. And they said, well, if you want to do readings and bury. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. If you, if, if, you, if you want to do readings and bury, then, then you're going to do this. There you go. Nice. And I said, okay, two conditions. One, um, I finish my readings tonight before I help. Two, nobody knows I'm involved. And they gave, both gave me, because I, I don't want to be known as doing that. I, I, I don't want that. Um, right, I, no, yeah, it's a totally, yeah. But I, I, I don't want that job. And I you don't know, want that responsibility. Um, I, I don't you know, want... Chances are that that was not going to be a good um, outcome most as far of the, as what mo happened Most of her. the time when those things happen, you have to tell the family that their right. child, their wife, their son, their what are dead. And I don't have the... That's a dar difficult thing to do. I don't have the chutzpah. I, I don't have the... Um, I don't have what it takes no. to do that. And, yep. and if I did, I, I wouldn't have what it takes to help find the kids. Exactly. And that's the thing that, and I imagine the outrage here, you have a person not involved in a risky lifestyle and disappears in the middle of broad, you know, daylight. No, no, no this back alley. Absolutely. That's, they're, 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 you know, this woman was, was, you know, pure. So, they come and get me, the police, and we go down to the police station and we started, I didn't, like I'd never done this before. This was the first time. I'd never really done this before and I was thinking, how would I do this? Because I didn't know the area that well. So I suggested we look at maps and they put maps down on the table. And I put my hand over maps and stuff like that and I didn't know what I was doing. And and I, I felt some energy. Well, you know, you got to put on a show. I'm going to get busted. Right, right. right. So You're here like thinking, oh, boy. I'm going to be, okay. I'm going to be doing something, you know, yeah. it's like, uh -huh. and, and anyway, um, so I, but, but I, I, I found some energy and then, and okay. then over this area and I said, okay, um, so this would have been November, I guess. And, and, and I, and I said to them, okay, guys, we're not going to find her tonight. No matter what we do, we're not going to find her tonight. And we're not going to find her. You're not going to find her until late April, maybe even May. Uh, but where you're going to find her is a place near around this spot on the map. And I said, but there's a train trestle. And the train trestle has been, hasn't been used in a long, long time. It's derelict. But... On the train trestle says 1910. Okay. And they insisted that night that we go out there looking. <laughs> did they know when you described it? Did they know what you were talking about or no? No. Okay. And 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 in one how they were, you know, I was they were desperate and they weren't taking me seriously. 
Okay, they weren't taking me seriously, but they were doing it because they had nothing else to do. It's like no, they were, they were under pressure. Like, let's Absolutely. So we're out driving around and we're in a, like the wilderness or something. And one of the cops sees an old trailway, trailway um, or train tracks, a really ancient one, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and a dirt road. And he says, let's drive along here. And drive along here and as we get closer there is a dilapidated train trestle and on the train trestle says 1910 and these guys look at me and i was gonna say did they both go and look at you like yeah. oh hey yeah uh-huh. okay and and um anyway the next day they brought out the troops right and they all came out and searched the area far and wide couldn't find her Anyway, the next day, I also was able to do my readings and get out of town. Okay. About sometime in April, May, I I got a call from one of the guys. And they said to me, we just want you to know that we found her remains. And and it was where you said, thank you for your help. That was, and and did they find her? Was it because... uh, I was thinking, was it because it melted or she just. Yes, be- that's right. Right. I'm, I'm thinking the winter had to go by and. Absolutely. That, that, that is indeed what it was. And that area is part of the snow belt. As oh, well. okay. Okay. Right. So that, that is, um, that, that's what happened. And what um, happened? I imagine what it was, this was a murder case then. I, I have, um, they've, it's, it's never been solved to my knowledge. Okay. But in other words, you know, it, it was a, a cold case is what they call it. It was a point. cold case. It was a cold case. And, and, and um, I, I helped find her. That's incredible. I, I've see, that's the thing. Those like are the that. years that no victim, no crime. Okay. People don't yeah. realize that now it's a little bit more with DNA, but back then people could say, Hey, maybe she just decided to leave her husband and her kids. Well, the, she yeah, didn't want that life anymore. Yeah, it happens. Well, that wasn't her, though. That, that, no, I, I know, I but what that. I'm saying is, right. as far as prosecuting somebody, once they find the body, that's when the really starts rolling they, forward. They didn't. They didn't have access to um, anything like that in those days. Oh no, no, that's what I'm saying. But I've, once I've done found, a few others, though. You, you and know. what happened? So that broke the ice for you. And I was going to say, didn't they come back to you, or did the word get out that? You were good, or how did that work? Um, I guess. Then another time, similar. This actually happens before the, what I'm going to tell you now happened before um, this with this woman. Um, it was early when I started doing radio shows, um, and when I had the spot on CJRN Radio Niagara. Um, I could phone any radio station on the continent and say, hi, this is Robert Lindsay Mill from CJRN Radio Niagara. And the program director would pick up the phone. Okay. Okay. So I would phone a radio station and say, hi, I'm Robert Lindsay Mill. And I'm from, you know, CJRN and we're, you know, Niagara. Um, this is what I do. And I get right to the guy. And, and I was applying for a spot um, on a radio station in Ottawa. Okay. And and there was no internet those days. There were no networks. If you were at a radio station, it's because your body was in the studio. So you had right. to go there. There were no long distance calls or anything. You had to be there. And 
again, the way you get the job is you had to, uh, for me anyway, I had to, um, I had to audition. How do you audition? Mm-hmm. Go on the air. And if you can do readings, you get the job. If you can't, you don't. And, and um, I was going to Ottawa to audition. There's a whole lot of other things about that story, but um, we'll, st- we'll, we'll, stick, we'll, we'll, we'll just stick to the uh, Russian spy. So when I got to, um, well, there are other things almost as exciting, but that's, but, but, but very definitely another story and, 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 and very different other color as it were. Um, anyway, uh, um, so I do the show and incidentally I got the job. I got, I got okay. the part. Um, now again, it's in the seventies and this would have been like 76, 75, okay. 77 at the latest. Um, I, I, um, and, and, and in those days, you know, you, you had dial phone number phones and, and in some parts right. of Canada, you didn't even have a dial, uh, an area code. And, um, all you had was like a phone book. And, and if you were in Ottawa, you couldn't very few people had a phone book from Toronto or right. So you were very limited. So um, anyway, do the show, get the part coming out in a month after that to start. And, I, and by the way, I was on that station for almost 12 years. Um, okay. So, so a um, couple of days into later or three, whatever, I get a phone call from the program director in Ottawa. You know, Ottawa is this capital of Canada, right? That's yes. Canada. okay. Yes. The equivalent of Washington, only minute. Um, um, anyway, uh, um, I get this call and say, ha ha ha, this guy um, called me. He's um, uh, a reporter for TASS News Agency, but really he's a spy. Ha 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 ha. And he makes a joke. And I say, yeah. And he says he wants to interview you. And I say, I'm not interested. I don't want to know anything about this man. I don't want to deal with him. I don't want to, I don't care if he's a, a, a reporter. I don't care if he's a spy. I don't want to deal with this Russian man. It wasn't that I disliked Russians. It was. Just that something about him, just like. Well, he was also living at the embassy and he had a, a, a diplomatic passport. And okay. you were like, oh, all right. I don't want anything to do with this. Like yeah. I was like 26 or something, you know, like, I, no. I like, yeah. So, okay, so I get the show and blah, blah, blah. I come back to Toronto a week, two later. Um, friends start calling me saying, Robert, we're, we're getting this call, these calls from, um, you know, this guy with the, the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And in those days, they, they were in charge of the security service, the, the security of Canada. There was a okay. division of the, the, the RCMP is the national police force. Um, not quite as prominent as the FBI, but similar. But in that, yeah, that, that yes, they covered that's right. everything. Right? That's right. But in those days, they also did um, security. So this guy, uh, and anyway, I get this call from a guy and he says, hello, my name is Sergeant, and I'm not even going to give you his name, even though it was like 30, 40 years ago. Um, he introduced himself. He said, my name is Sergeant such and such. Um I'm with the RCMP and myself and my partner would like to have a conversation with you about a non-criminal matter. And I said, is that about the Russian guy in Ottawa? And he says, yes. And you were like, hey. 
And I said, leave me alone. I'm not interested. I don't know. I don't want to be involved, please. He says to me, would you please consider this? This is an important matter. And you may be, you know, the, you know, the bullshit uh -huh. about, you know, you do service for your country and blah, blah, blah. Right. right? Uh -huh. And, you know, and, and he did that one with me and, you know, I, I bought it. Yeah, you know, I, hey. you know, I, I, I took that one. Remember, I was a kid, I, a young man, you no, know, almost twenty. Like, I'm going to do yes. that one. I'll dedicate. Well, because myself. they make it sound like okay, this is more to this than what I know. Oh, yeah, or... right. Okay, I'll get. I'll do that. So, anyway, they make a time to come and see me. The two of them, and one guy came from Ottawa, and the guy that originally called me, he was stationed in Niagara Falls. And okay. as a sidebar, in the 1970s and early 80s, during the Cold War, there was more intelligence being passed across the Canadian-American border at Niagara Falls than I that sits anywhere right there, the border. in the world. Interesting. That was where, and, and there was an FBI um, uh, uh outlet there and 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 the cia had a a, a a a department there too because of all the spying from the cubans and the and, and and every and because it was so easy to get across the border um canada the united states right exactly yeah so the two of them meet me both of them are sergeants and um they meet me and they tell me the story about this this fellow and, and, uh, but you know, they first, they tested me and stuff and, and they did tell me what the guy's name was. And, and I said to them, but there's another name here and I'm hearing the name Petrov and these guys, their faces turned white. Like <laughs> they were shocked and they looked at one another and, 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 and they looked back at me and they said, nobody knows that you're not supposed to, you're that is somebody that's that would be your guy's boss and and nobody knows about him and and he said you're either psychic or 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 you you have inside information you're like i'm psychic <laughs> well yeah and and so then they really started treating me quite seriously but they then told me the story of of this guy and 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 what had happened he had been um, stationed in Washington for his entire career. All right. And he lived at the embassy and he had um, a diplomatic passport. And he was also a reporter for TAS. But you don't have a diplomatic passport when you're a journalist. Not even okay. if you're Russian. If you you have that, right. you're 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 a spy or a diplomat. Right. Um, he had spent his entire career there, and this was at the ending of the Brezhnev era. Okay. And he got the plum promotion or plum spot because, like you know, Washington is a plum spot. You, mm -hmm. you know, for pretty much anybody, um, he got that spot because of his guys. He was on the side of the Brezhnev team. Okay. As the Brezhnev era was was coming to an end and and Brezhnev was losing control, his guys in power were losing control and this guy got transferred to Ottawa 
I was going to say, yeah, that this, plum job went bye bye. This is not a promotion. <laughs> the guys, the Mounties thought that he got this demotion, and they thought that he thought he was going to be brought home to Moscow and then sent to Siberia. Wow. And he was afraid of that. And they were, and incidentally, this guy spent his whole adult life in the, in the Western world. Sid, did, did, how did they find out that he the, had contacted you for a reading? The program director, like in the, the guy in, in, in um, Ottawa, now, you know, part of the security services, they make contact with all the radio stations, the TV stations, and they're always interacting. What do you hear about and stuff? That's, and right. what had happened is the program director, um, this guy phoned the program director. The program director called me, but he also called the guy in Ottawa and told him. Oh, okay. Okay. That's I was how, like, how did they how That's did how they that know? happened. That's how that happened. So... Um, they asked me would I meet with him and would I do a reading because what they thought was he was reaching out um, to, uh, to, to, to defect to, to defect yeah okay. and he was reaching out through the radio station okay. because he would assume that the radio guy would tell the, 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 the mounting that's okay okay that that's how it happened and that so they asked me would i meet with him and 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 i said yeah i'll do it and we planned it for the time that i was going to be coming to ottawa to do my first regular show and the program director called this guy the russian guy i i know his name i'm just not giving it um okay. called the russian guy um, and gave him my home phone number. He I... called me and um, my Mountie guys um, arranged for my hotel in my name in, in Ottawa. And, and they told me what hotel I'd be staying at. This guy called me at home. I told him I was going to be at such and such a hotel on this day. And we made that appointment. So the day of the appointment, um, and, and, and the guy from Niagara Falls a couple of times came up to Toronto and he um, uh, um, versed me on this guy's life from his, his dossiers, his information. And this was the first time and the last time in my life that I ever allowed myself to be influenced to do a reading. It was the first, only time. And, okay. and, um, and you'll find out why later or shortly. So, so they, we're giving and, and and they gave me this guy's life story. Oh, and, okay. So they okay. they, they do you think is that they weren't sure that you were psychic? Do you think yes, and they it? wanted to make sure that 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 I would be wouldn't make any mistakes and and blow okay. it or something, right? All right. Okay. But then they said, when you're giving him this information, somewhere along the line, what what you need to do is is say now now this was again fifty years ago. I don't have quite the memory of what the words exactly were. But the concept was while I was doing his reading, I was supposed to say, you know, sometimes when we get into trouble, um, we have friends that we don't necessarily know that there are friends and, and, and you have those friends. It was something like that, right? Right, was, right, right. Like, something, yeah. something like that. 
So as, oh, the other thing my, our guy said to me is they said, now he's a really big guy. Don't be intimidated. Oh, oh, and in the hotel where I was staying on, on the day there, um, my, my Niagara Falls guy um, picked me up at my apartment and we went to um, the airport. And then on the airport, I flew uh, to Ottawa in, a, in a, a government plane and there were three Mounties in the plane with me. And, <laughs> and, and from that time, um, all the way through until I, I met with this guy um, in the first whole day, I, I was never left alone. They were always with me. And, and when we got to the hotel, I didn't even check in. I was registered, but I didn't even right. check in. They just took me straight up to my room. And it was one room, uh, 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 hotel room, but there were two uh, adjoining rooms. And those two right. adjoining rooms were filled with 1970s technology and three or four uh, Mounties in either room. And then there was there was this guy and the guy from Ottawa as well. And they were still they were still, you know, preparing me. And then they said, now, he's a really big guy. Now, don't be afraid. We're we're all of us are here. So you don't you don't have to be afraid of him. And then he said. They are much more tactile than we are. Oh, so, I know. <laughs> so don't get upset if he moves his chair really close to you. Okay. And he's going to touch you. It might even touch you on the shoulder or on the arm or something like that. He said, the guy's not coming on to you. He's not trying to kill you. It's just, you just, that's just the way they are. They're they're They, they touch more than us. Yeah. And I said, okay. So anyway, the guy shows up, comes in and, and I start to do his reading. And it took me about five, six minutes that the stuff that they had, you, you know, fed me, was wrong. It was completely wrong. So I just did my best to wipe out what I'd been um, right. what I'd been fed, and then I just did a reading for the guy, like I would normally do, and and it was being recorded on the cassette and everything. And I'm doing the reading, and then I get to the part, you know, the piece de resistance, as it were. Oh, and, and I say, to the, and I say to the guy, you know, sometimes when we're in trouble, we find, you know, we find out that we have friends that we don't know about, and you know, blah blah blah. And when I said it to him, he looked at me, stood up, turned around, and he walked out the door. Didn't oh, say of course. Goodbye. He says nothing, I nothing, just just left. And yeah. and then you know they wait a couple of minutes, and the guys come in and say, "Oh, really good job, Robert." And I say, "Yeah, but I blew it. He he just left." And and they said, "No, no. When when you imply to uh, uh, one of these Russian guys anything about defecting." That's the way they handle it. They don't, they don't, as soon as they hear that, they leave just like that. So he did everything the, what, what he would have done anyway. Right. So, he probably never, and I guess he must have realized, oh, like what you said, there's probably people in the rooms next whatever, to mine. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I'm out of here. I, 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 I didn't, he, he just was gone. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so um, a couple of weeks later, the guy from Niagara Falls, uh, um, outpost, it's not outpost, it's whatever the hell it's called, uh, division or whatever, um, called me and he said, can you find anything or do, you know, like what, what, what can you do as a psychic? And I said, well, I don't know, maybe we could. And they said, well, how about, um, 
have you ever considered you could find dead letter boxes? And I said, uh, what are they? And he said, well, this is where a dead letter box is where they drop off information, where it's in past. And we look for that. And so I said, sure, let's give it a try. Um, and I went down to Niagara Falls. Um, and we, first of all, looked at maps again, I, you know, checked out maps. And then we would go into the big, huge park, um, Niagara Falls Park, and I would look for dead letterboxes. I did that for, I did that with him every month for almost three years. What? But I was also doing my radio show every Sunday night anyway. So it's not, and, and I, and I did that. And there were many, many times where we found dead letter boxes were in, in, wow. It, yeah. Then what, then there was one time we were out in the park and we're walking around and, and he says to me, uh, you know, your Russian friend. And I said, yeah, he said, you know, that turned out good. And that's all I ever found out. About you don't know what, what they meant by I, that. Well, I assumed that he made the, he made the switch. Okay. I assume. Okay. And, and what would have happened is that, you know, we would have got him and then we would have taken him across the border or you guys would have come and got him. And right, right. Because people don't realize like, back then that, that thing happened with defective, you know, you had yeah. athletes that would defect and people oh, absolutely. like, and, 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 and he was a big deal. Like, like he was oh, like sure. a very high up one. So now I'd been doing that with, with the, the Canadian Mountie guy. So at the time I was flying to Ottawa to get my, to do my, um, uh, uh, um, uh, when I was auditioning, I was flying on Air Canada and um, I don't know why, but this one time I just decided I was, never had flown on first class. I decided I would give it a try. And on that particular night, our, um, the, um, uh, air traffic controllers were on a semi uh, shutdown, the semi work to rule. So flights were delayed. And I was sitting in the first class part, uh, section of a 727 and there was nobody else there. And there was this, there was this uh, flight attendant and her name was Eleanor. And she came over and talked with me and, and we sat and talked for two, three hours. And then, Time for okay. the plane to fly. And then I told her I was uh, going to be auditioning for this radio show. And, hey, you guys, would you like to come? I sent a message to the captain and the other and through Eleanor. And I said, you know, be my guest at the radio station and you can see the audition. And they all came down with me. Oh, wow. And it just turned out that we were staying at the same hotel. <laughs> so anyway, um, the next day, the whole crew comes down, stays with me. And then we went back to the hotel and then... Eleanor came by and said hello. And, uh, and then later, you know, they flew out of town. I, um, as I did. And then Eleanor called me from Winnipeg cause that's where she was based. And she said, I'm going to be in Toronto next week. Anyway, Eleanor and I were, um, in a relationship for a couple of years okay. and she was doing a type of flight called, um, Havana turnarounds. And in those days, even though uh, America uh, really hated Cuba, uh, Canadians didn't hate Cuba. 
Uh, some didn't. Right. And, and a lot of people would go to Cuba for the cheap vacations. I would right. never go to that communist country. It was like, it was like, it had nice beaches, tropical. I imagine from Canada going over there to the tropics, it was a big change. Well, what it, what it was is, is uh, supporting a, a, uh, um, an, an enemy nation. That's what it was yeah, doing. It was. And, it was. and I, I, I refused to be a part of it. Uh, anyway, she was doing, Eleanor was doing what was called a Havana turnaround. So it's a short flight. She'd, they'd pick up a flight, um, uh, you know, a load of, passengers in toronto fly to ha ha um you know havana uh and then those passengers would get off and then the people returning home would 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 come back right away so that was called a havana turnaround okay and and um one morning um when she had done her you know turnaround i met her at pearson and she came out and you know she was happy and stuff and i saw this big envelope in her purse and i you know as i'm driving home i say sweetie what, 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 what's that and she said oh. oh you know and she said oh this woman i don't know what the hell her name was monica or something she she works on uh on the uh um at the gate in in havana and oh she's really really great and she's got these friends in east germany and and uh, uh mail is difficult getting out of uh, uh cuba and so she asked me if i would you know bring it across and mail it to germany and i said, <laughs> and I said you, you you said yes right and she said yeah and I said, okay. So, you know, I waited a couple of hours and then I called, you know, my guy in uh, uh, Niagara Falls. And I said, guess what has happened here? And I told him. And it turned out that for several years, Air Canada flight attendants unknowingly had been... Were being the couriers. Yeah. And because I had done the work, with knew, the Russian guy, I I picked it up and we 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 broke um, the um, um, a spy rug. Well, you know what happens is that I imagine that every time you found one of those uh, letter drop offs, yeah. probably they would do. I imagine it's observe it. That's all yeah. they did. They didn't. They didn't touch it. They just. They didn't touch that. it. They would just see who comes and goes, and that's how they basically they worked from that's there. That's exactly. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. So you must know something about that because because um, they they didn't interfere at all. They no. just wanted to know who was doing what and what they were doing and where it was going. Yeah. That, that, that's all, all they sudden. looked at. Right. And but, then you whatever the, you follow the people around if you have to, whatever. That's right. But yeah, those you know what? And it's because if you think about it, like what, what she did, it seemed very innocent. Oh, can you please take this and drop it off for me because it's a hassle? to get it mailed out. So to the average person, they don't read anything wrong with it. You no. know, it's like I'm mailing something out for somebody. And this was like 1978 or yeah. 1979, yeah. right? It wasn't like, it wasn't like um, last week. Right, right. So no, what I'm saying is that, yeah. you know, but you, like you said, you read, you said, whoa, wait a minute. That is so that's, interesting. That's right. Yeah. So that was, that was, so that my encounter with those guys went on for several years. Okay, and then you, and then what happened? You well, that never point, ever they, became that never ever ever um, became public. Right. And the only reason I'm talking about it is that is that I think we got to the 40 year mark, 
and and um, it's it's no longer um, classified. like a classified. Yeah, kind of but I'm still not going to be using the names. Okay. If you want cool. after the show, I'll be glad to, but but I'm not going to do it live. Sure, sure. But <clears> you know what? And, and you know, for somebody that hasn't been alive around those years, they won't they, understand. They, yeah. they wouldn't understand that yeah. stuff like that. I mean, remember, there, like you said, there's no internet here. That's right. So you know. a lot of the stuff was exactly like what you're describing, which is, you know, couriers, drop-offs, pickup points, That's right. uh, things of that nature. And, <laughs> you know, and, and that defecting thing was, was something that you would hear on and off in the news. And, and, and then at the same time, I was touring, well, in those early days, across Canada from coast to coast. Um, and, then, and then into the U.S. and then, um, you know, around the world. So when you, yeah. at some point, you just, you just, this is what you, basically what you're saying is like, this was your, your full-time job. For it's always been, I, I never had another full-time job. This is it. Wow. Yeah. That's, and have you ever had a reading, Robert, where you felt like the person, because obviously you're doing the, the reading. I'm not talking about, uh, I'm talking about like in person yeah. where you were like, this person is cuckoo. I, I, I don't oh, know um, Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, what do you, it's like, oh boy, I better like. <laughs> what, what, what do I do? I get them out of my house as soon as I can. Right. Okay. Right. Um, so let, 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 let's, let's, um, you know, um, explain cuckoo or, or, or. Well, when uh, I mean cuckoo, I don't mean obviously, uh, but. You know, there, there have been times where I was genuinely worried. That yes. somebody was dangerous, yes. um, and and I just wanted to get them out of my house, and right. and, and and I've done that, um, and I, well, once again, n n number one, um, I don't personally care if someone books an appointment. Once I do, I'm very dedicated. Once they do, I'm very dedicated. Um, I'm only interested in doing the best readings that I possibly can. And if I'm not able to do the absolute best that I can, I don't do it. Right. So if somebody were a real whack job, literally and figuratively speaking, um, I'm not going to do it. And the, the thing I'm going to be doing is getting them away. Right. Um, then there are times that someone would be harmless to others but dangerous mm -hmm. to themselves and i would right. treat them in a different way than the real crazy but i would get them out of the house anyway right right um and then and then there are people that are are crazy but they have you know flashes of sanity and mm -hmm. i'll appear to the same part um and then there's the rest of the people right well, and that's why I tell everybody, you know, there's peculiar and eccentric, and then there's crazy. Whacked out, As yeah. in, not pretend crazy, like real crazy. Sure. And sometimes those people can walk around and pretend they're kind of normal until they're sitting in front yeah. of you, and yeah. you're like, yeah. oh. But you look yeah, at their yeah. eyes, and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're usually the girls that I fall for, though. <laughs> oh, there you oh, go. Like, there you, know, you go. I can, I can be in a room, and I have been, with, with, with 100 women, 99 are angels like but the one right there's one at the back of the room that is the craziest <laughs> one and that is the That's, girl for me Just, but you know boom. what that tells me you probably should have gone to a matchmaker because it's like 
you know, or blind dates because Whoa. probably the matchmaker you would have said, nah, not for me. But this That's is right. nah, 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 nah. No, but like you said, you'll you'll go into a room and the one. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, like boy, you think that hasn't ruined my life a few times. So, so uh, that's funny. Uh, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, um. So. Now, you know, there's some of the glory parts um, when, when when traveling and doing readings. It's, it's it's a hard job when I'm on the road. I don't do that now. But but when I was, you know, we'd go from town to town or city to city, do shows. People would come. We'd, we'd, we'd do I'd do readings and then and then, uh, you know, we would live well. But then we'd go to the next city and the next city. And 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 I did that for many years. Do you do readings now on the internet at all? Oh no, live person, body in the studio. Oh really? Okay, okay. For years. Okay. You know that was everything... before the internet. You know, like the peak of my career was was through like like the prime was was through um, early eighties into the early 90s so so from from mid 70s to the early 90s was was the the peak of my career okay uh, you, you know i was born in 1949 you, you know so so um that was the time where where i was doing all my work which, which is one of the reasons i've made this um uh, semi come out of semi retirement was was okay. there's no record of what i did and, and i've done okay. a lot and and right. like simply, you know, never mind telling the you know the funny story about how I learned how to do readings on the telephone. Um, the point is, is that I was the first one to do that, and right. and I and, and and I was the pioneer. Exactly, and if and you wouldn't say that story, nobody would know it. That's right, and I, and I want it recorded, like sure. like I want my contribution to be acknowledged. Right. So that's why I'm doing it. Right. Of course, and and again. For those of you who have not been alive that long, people don't realize that back then, whether it was what you did or even people that were trying to get their records played on a on a radio station, yeah. you basically had to do what you said, you know, knock on the door and, you know, convince somebody, a DJ oh, yeah. to play your music, oh, absolutely. Or which you did, which was oh, audition. There was no, uh, this was like, you, you, you had to be out there and sell yourself. You had to be a salesman. How's that? That's, that, that's right. You I know, did. Had, and, and, um, and, you know, so I'm now at this point in my life, um, and I jokingly say, after 58 years, I, I'm an overnight success. And because like, I'm getting recognized around the world now more than I did when I was at the peak of my career, simply because of the access to the information. Sure. Um, and I'm still accomplishing goals and having dreams and, and I'm achieving them now. Um, over 20 years ago, I set a goal to get on uh, coast to coast. Okay. That was a goal. And I couldn't get on coast to coast because I, I didn't have a book. Right. Because yeah, that's a... I couldn't read and write very well. So, okay. so, um, I couldn't get past the, well, it's not true. You can get past the secretary, so to speak. I, I couldn't get it because, because one of the criteria is you got to, you know, be credible and, 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 and have, you know, have something to talk about. We'll talk about your book, Robert. And then, you well, know, yeah. Exactly. Right. So I, and I never, and, but I have never given up. 
I have never given up that goal. Well, any of my big goals. And and I didn't know how I was going to do it, but okay. I vowed that I was going to do it. And then along came the story about the guy that had the superbug that was dying of um, an incurable superbug. I, I helped find the cure for that incurable superbug while the guy, now I'm not the store. I'm not the, I'm not the, uh, like the star of that story, okay. but I had a psychic role. And if a psychic, not me, a psychic hadn't have been involved, this guy would have died. Um, and he was in a coma for eight months. And, and I helped find the cure for that incurable superbug. And there was a book written about it. What happened? He, when you say a superbug, was it just oh. an illness that he got a cold? No, 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 no. Okay, so this is a little. I'm not sure how much time we got. This is no, another, no. Don't worry. Oh, I got. Okay. I, I, oh, oh, okay. I run. I run the show. You know what that's ah, like. Okay. So go ahead. All right. So here, here's. Um, so re, you know, re, you know, I've always, I've always been at the top of the field. Okay. Okay. Like I've always been. Um, I, I, I've always been recognized there. And, and when I'm around other psychics, so it, it just always been like that. I, I remember the day at the cozy tea room, the first day I started, like, can you imagine? Here's this homeless kid, half starving, comes in and starts doing tea leaf readings. And I looked around at all these old people and said, you're going to tell people I started here. I really had the chutzpah to say that, you know? Yeah, you know? desperation will do that to you. And, and you know what? They actually, that is uh, actually happened. Mm -hmm. anyway um besides that um so um i'm just trying to remember what i was thinking about so no that you were explaining to me about that when you say superbug, are we talking uh, we're talking about um an infection okay. that you get and it's in it's it's um so infectious you it's it's antibiotic resistant okay all right, okay. which is what I was trying to figure out. Was it that they didn't know what it was? In other words, they knew knowing, what it was. They so knew what it was. Okay. Now here, here's the story. So um, it this happened to two clients of mine. So the woman, and I can give you all the names in this one. Um, okay. Her name is Stephanie Strathy. Dr. Stephanie Strathy. And Stephanie is a professor of epidemiology. She's a Toronto girl, by the way. Professor okay. of epidemiology at the University of California. She is a professor of epidemiology and she's an associate dean of the epidemiology department. And she's got like about a bazillion awards and uh, credibilities. And she's involved with all these famous institutes and stuff like that. Like she's a heavyweight epidemiologist and she's known famous for her research and development in AIDS around the world. Her husband, Tom okay. is um, a professor of um, experiential psychology. He's got a PhD in okay. experimental psychology and another PhD in um, psychiatry. Okay. He also is um, a professor at the same university uh, in, in the okay. psychology department, and he's associate dean of the, the experimental psychology department as well. Okay. These two people, and they happen to be married. And I met Stephanie 
when she had just finished, just graduated from the University of Toronto with her PhD. And, and I did her first reading and she had kept in touch with me over the 30 years. And we have this really close connection. So okay. Tom and her um, meet later in life. There's a difference in age. Tom is, 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 is older, their second marriage. And, and Tom is an interesting guy. He's like a kind of real, he's a real kind of macho guy. Um, macho and he's a man's man type guy. Okay. Um, and he reminds me of an old Indiana Jones kind of guy. Okay. So he's like six foot five, you know, he's a professor. Um, and when he was a young man, he used to do research in the, in the field. And he got kidnapped by the Sandinistas and oh was held God. in, you know, just about starved to death and all. Okay. And, he, and he's gone through all these, mag, you know, wonderful things that these, you know, macho guys go through. And, right. he's, and, and he's also this professor and he's very well known and respected professor. So in and there's an age difference, um, he being, you know, several years older than Stephanie. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful relationship. So. Um, Tom, in later life, uh, ballooned up to a huge amount of weight, like 300 and some odd pounds, like really big. Okay. And, and um, he was on his, and he still hadn't finished ballooning up. He was on that path. And um, this one year, I did a reading for him, as I did with him and, and Stephanie, more with Stephanie over the years. And, and I said to Tom in his reading, um, I, I, I said to him in, um, three years from now, you're going to be more than a hundred pounds lighter than what you weigh now. And you're not going to want to wear any of the clothes that you wear now because they'll all be too big because you'll have been more than a hundred pounds. Uh, you will have lost more than a hundred pounds. And then I went on to talk about other things, as I always do when I'm, you know, giving people information like that. And after however long, I said to him, however, you know, you're going to be 100 pounds lighter. Um, before that time comes, there's an illness coming. And it's in your stomach. You might even feel it now. And you are going to get sicker as sick as you possibly can. Now I took, this took me half an hour to say. Um, right, okay. right, you're giving okay. the condensed I, version here. That's right. I'm giving the Coles Notes version of the Coles Notes version. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm doing it really fast. So, and, 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 I, and I said to him, um, in, you're going to get as sick as you possibly can get sick without dying. And you're going to lose more than 100 pounds. And then I said to him, it seems to me the destiny is to lose 100 pounds. So you can either listen to what I've just said, and it scares the hell out of you, and you take care of yourself and your body and lose more than 100 pounds, or you're going to get sick as you possibly can get sick without dying and not die and lose more than 100 pounds. And my feeling is it's up to you, but you can do it the easy way. You can do it the hard way. And I was, I was that direct, but also as, you know, softer in, in, mm -hmm. in how I sat up to him. So it scared the hell out of him for a couple of days, you know, and, you know, ate, you know, salary and carrots for a couple of weeks or something. And then 
Anyway, um, he stopped. He didn't, he, you know, didn't follow through. Now, these are upper left, left, upper echelon people, and they're used to traveling in exotic places around the world anyway, and they always have these, you know. But they had this one dream vacation, and they wanted to go to Egypt and tour the pyramids. Okay. So they booked this trip. It was near the end. And most of the time when, when Stephanie is making an important decision or whatever, she calls me and talks with me about it. And, and that's, you know, it's been our relationship. And, um, you know, we talked about the relationship or the time away. And I said, you know, it was okay. You know, everybody come home and everybody be alive. Uh, you know, um, so they get their trip and they go away on their vacation. And it was like the end of November of that year, early. No, maybe it was early, no, mid-December. And um, they're away in Egypt. And they're touring uh, the pyramids, and and um, Tom had been really ill, feeling ill way before the trip, but didn't cancel it. He went away. And Stephanie asked me the question: Is he going to be okay, and will he survive, or anything? Going to and and I said, of course, you you know he'll come home. You, you know. And because I, I didn't look very far, I knew the guy would live, so I didn't. I didn't take it very right. much farther than that because I had forgotten the talk I had with him previously. So um, anyway, um, they're in the pyramids. Tom's not feeling very well. He's getting sicker and sicker. He's got this pain or something in his stomach. He he. They're going through the pyramids. He gets so sick he faints in the pyramids. Mm. They have to carry him out of the pyramid. And they take him back to the hotel. The doctor from Cairo comes over and looks at him and says, oh, you're really, really sick. And they transfer him from the hospital or from the hotel to the hospital. While he's at the hospital, he um, contracts the most potent superbug on the planet. This one was 100% antibiotic resistant. But this was not what he was sick from originally. No, he had um, a cyst on his pancreas. Oh boy! Okay. Okay, and he catches the superbug in Egypt. Now, as a sidebar, Stephanie, when she wrote her PhD, that particular super virus was what she wrote her PhD on before oh it was as potent and as powerful as it was and before it was um, antibiotic resistant. But she okay. wrote her PhD, you know, it was like a normal everyday awful superbug, but could be cured. And then it graduated and got more intense, right? Okay. So she wrote her PhD about that. Of all 30 years before, yeah. And that was when I came on on board too. By the way, when so, she wrote her, so did she real? Did they realize that early on what that that he was sick with that superbug or was in it in Egypt? Yes, okay. they knew in the hospital that he had no. They knew he was really really sick. They couldn't help him, and he was medevaced to Germany. Okay, okay, to one of the best clinics in the world for whatever he was going through. So he was medevaced there. And then they found the superbug that was 100% antibiotic resistant. And that meant 
if you get it, you die. There's no cure. So now, just as Tom gets medevac to Germany, we're getting relatively close to Christmas that year. And I was feeling like a bag of shit. You know, I was just feeling awful. I was, I was, I had the flu or cold or what, whatever. Uh -huh. and, and, and I didn't want to talk to anybody or see anybody. I was just feeling terrible. And um, late at night, my, my Skype uh, phone rang or my thing on, and, and I got up and walked to the computer and I saw it was Stephanie and I answered. And the first thing that I said to her was, what took you so long? I've been waiting to hear from you. Which, in fact, that was true. I'd been sent. I'd been getting concerned, and I'd been sending thoughts out to her. What took you so long? I've been waiting for okay. you. And incidentally, that's in the book that's been written. So she must have been like, okay. Well, but I do that shit all the time. I know. I was gonna say I if know, she'd been that. coming to you for thirty just, years, she just, knew. Just, she knew. She knew. Yeah, I just do that just for fun. She knew. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. That's right. I just. I. It's. It's, it's kind of like my way. Of, was he? Let me ask you. He at was this in a time, coma. I was gonna say he's already in a coma by then, right? Already in a coma. Wow. And 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 diagnosed never to come out. <sighs> okay. He was in a coma for eight months. So she calls me, tells me the story, and I say. He's going to get really, really sick, um, but he's not going to die. But he's got this 100% antibiotic-resistant um, uh, superbug. So Stephanie um, is got a brain like Sheldon Cooper. You know the guy in uh, Big... Okay, the she's big got guy. a mind like him. She has okay. a, a photogenic memory. It's just shocking. Um, and, and she may be on the spectrum a little bit because, you know, when you're that bright, you're not always the most. Anyway, but, you know, we, we but she's a beautiful person. We, you know, she's really loving. But she's probably a little bit on the spectrum. She certainly was a, a geek when she was a kid, you know. There you go. Anyway, um, I say to her, Tom, can live through this and you can find the cure. And I said to her, you have experienced everything you need to find the cure. You have been through things like this before and you found the cure. You have gone through these types of things. The only difference is the name but you've gone through it and you've done this before and you can do it again. And on that inspiration, she decided in that time period, she was going to find the cure. This is a true story, by the way, um, of for her dying husband. Because I imagine she called you probably thinking that you were going to tell her he's going to die. Or I mean, maybe she wanted no, to No, she was reaching out to me because I told him he, she, that they were going to be together for a long time. She was reaching out to me because she reached out to me when shit happens. <laughs> but I imagine at, at some time she must be thinking, I'd rather hear it from him first that this is well, going to Well, that might be badly. the case. But, 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 but she calls me when things are in trouble. So um, <laughs> I say to her, Tom's not going to die and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I tell her that you can find a cure. And then she opened her mind. And what I said to her also, as I said, you can sit here in Germany 
uh, in panic because he's in like he was like um, in in uh, all all the people around him were wearing hazmat suits and stuff like that, and he was in a coma and 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 I said you you can sit around here um, worrying yourself to death, or you can do something about it. And if you do something about it, you can find the cure. And she decided to do it. By the way, she found the cure. And, and um, she created a group of the most brilliant minds on the planet. Okay. And some of the most brilliant scientists on the planet all got together in a collaboration from around the world to okay. find the cure for this illness and, and she put it all together and I thought what I was going to be doing was being her support going through the process but as it turned out I created a mind link with okay. Tom and I was in psychic contact with him 24 hours a day 7 days a week Wow. And I knew what was going on with him, um, whether he was okay, whether he was in trouble, his state of mind, you know, things like that. And, and I knew when his uh, vital signs changed. I, I, and and um, I was getting, and, and I was having meetings with Stephanie every morning. And at the very beginning, I, I, I said to her, I'm really afraid of giving this medical information. I'm afraid that I'm going to say, like I've always been and still am afraid of doing medical stuff. I'm not a doctor. I'm not smart enough to do that kind of stuff. You know, you know I'm a, you know, I, 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 I'm also not a quack and, and I also right. am aware of my limitation. Like what if I tell you something and I just say it the wrong way. And I know what you mean. Like as far as, the intention is I, good, but the delivery well, might what be. What if I tell you something and it kills you? you, you, you know, right, like exactly. That, right? right, okay. Um, because I, you know, I don't have that awareness. So I've always been afraid of that and I've always respected she it. She must have said, don't worry about it. At this well, point, I imagine. Here's what she said to me. She said, Robert, um, you're not responsible. She said, I have a team of the most brilliant people on the planet, each one of them, including you, are an expert in their field. And it's your responsibility to tell me what you see with no holds barred, because I'm going to take what you tell me with all the other what the, all the other advisors do tell me, put it all together and make the decision that I think is the right one. You're not responsible. You're responsible to give me the absolute truth. Like, oh, huh, I've never had that opportunity before. Right. So you just like, and it was the it first, it was in, it was like, it was the first time in my life that I just, let it all hang out with no concern. Because I just she had it, given you the green light. She gave me the green light. And and I did and said things that astonished me. There were times that when I was so tuned into Tom, I was a couple of days ahead 
of what the doctors were saying. There were, there were times I was so tuned in and, and with all that was going on, when I would, sometimes when you hear me speak now, I get a little slangy and, you know, and say things in kind of street ways. Um, I, 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 I do that sometimes when I'm doing readings as well. And, and, I, and I would make, make a lot of, you know, slang type expressions when I was describing what was going, Tom was going through. After a while, the doctors started using the same kind of expression that I was using <laughs> after I'd said it, right? Like a week right. later or, 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 or things like that. Okay. By the way, that's in their book. <laughs> and, and in that, and, and by the way, I told her that one, he's going to live too. Um, there's going to be a book about it and that's true. And they're in the process now of doing a movie. And I said that as well. What were they trying to to find they like were a cure, treatment? well they were trying to find something that would cure him okay so there was this one time that and, and how i knew tom was okay and when he wasn't was i visualized a flame a candle in a flame okay. and when the candle flame was strong i knew he was okay even though he was in a coma even though he's sick and he's got the super bug i knew that he was all right when his vital signs changed so did the candle flame and then there was this one day i woke up and looked at that candle flame it's in my head right looked at the candle flame and it would look like it was going out it would look like it was going to blow out and 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 um tom, i realized tom was cold okay. he was afraid he didn't know where he was. He was unconscious. He was sick. And all the people walking around him were wearing hazmat suits. And he can hear them speaking. Oh. And they were saying he was going to die. And he was letting go. Okay. And, I, and, and he went into septic shock. By the okay. way, in that time, he, was in, he went through septic shock seven times. What? I was going to say that usually kills people. Right. He went through it seven times. That's incredible. So I said to Stephanie, Tom is in trouble and he needs to see his girls, his daughters. He's called afraid. He doesn't know what's going on and he's letting go. He needs to see his girls. Yesterday would have been good. No, I, in those days, when I started doing this, when she said, you know, let it all out, I, I, I was really strike. And I said, yesterday would be a good day. Today's a good day. Tomorrow's not so good. If you wait longer, don't bother. And I said, it was like, if you wait any longer, he's going to die. Don't bother bringing them over. That night, the girls arrived. Okay. And I knew they arrived because I saw the flame get bigger. Okay. And then they arrived and um, Tom came out of his septic shock um, during it, 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 that, that broke. Um, and, and he's, and, and his vital signs started, you know, stabilizing and settling down. And there are a lot of people that could have done that. What I did. There's a lot on the planet that can do but this. I'm not the only one, but what happened I share with every psychic on the planet that it's now been proven 
that we can make a psychic connection with somebody who is unconscious and we can help them and we and they know sometimes because basically what, what you're saying. describing is that even though he was unconscious to the people around he him he had consciousness that's right right exactly exactly and if a psychic hadn't have been involved tom would have died so did they and he stayed in germany all this time several months and then he was flown to california okay in and and then Stephanie and Stephanie was with her team looking for the cure. And she brought three things to me. And Tom was in his eighth month in a coma. Yeah. And he was really close to death. Okay. And and Stephanie had narrowed it down okay. to three cures. And mm -hmm. we're at the point where they could only try one. Okay. And she, of course, all the other, the scientists got, you know, first opinion of which one they should choose. Okay. And then I was the last one to be consulted. And Stephanie said, I, I found these three. Um, and she said, let me tell you them. And, and every decision she made, she ran by me. But okay. she had other decision makers too. So um, she starts off and she says, the first one we've come up with, and this is called phages. And um, she started to explain them. And I said, that's the one. And she said, well, let me explain it. And I said, that's the one. And she said, let me explain it and tell you the other ones. And I said, yeah, okay. And uh, she explained it. And then she told me the second one. And I said, the first one. And she said, Robert, would you just listen to this? And I said, okay. And she told me. And I said, the first one. Then she told me about the third one. And I said, the first one. And she said, why? And I said, because it's like little Pac-Man. And they'll go after the superbug, attack it, kill it, and eat it. And she said, that's exactly what they do. There you go. And she made that decision. And the name of the decision was called Phages. And phages are harvested from sewer water. Um, phages are excrement. Okay. And it was in the 1920s and 30s in Russia, uh -huh. they were doing experiments by injecting um, healthy stool in someone who has had um, bowel and, and intestinal illnesses, they right. were in, 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 um, in, in, in um, injecting them with phages. Uh, um, and the concept was the healthy bacteria right. would attack and kill the unhealthy bacteria. That was okay. the concept. Okay. Right. And then, uh, about 1939, 1940, penicillin uh, was invented. So, okay. you know, most people would have rather have had a pill than a turd. So, like the, the <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so, like the yeah, you know the the um, di the, the 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 research ended. Okay. 
when all these superbugs started coming along, they started doing more research. All right. And um, the American army had done research in phages, the American Navy had, and researchers around the world had been doing this, but they had never treated a human being with it. And, and it got to the point where Tom was hours from death. It took a long time for everybody to get everything through the FDA and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Tom was within hours of death. And they were deciding, getting ready to, you know, give him the phages. And and they they did not know if they injected him. It was an IV. If they injected him, whether it would kill him or not. And they injected him once. And I, this was in California now. I was in Toronto at the time. Um, they injected him with, with an injection. I don't know, half hour. 40 minutes later, um, his vital signs got a little bit stronger. Like this guy was hours from death. You know, like, like um, you know, his, he had no muscle mass. He had, he had faded away. He was on his way out. Like his, his vital organs were starting to shut down. They had down. run out of time at this point. It sounds like his body's organs and stuff. Absolutely. It. it was, it was, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, he gets a little bit stronger. So they give him another hit. Gets stronger again. And then throughout the night, they give him several. I mean, didn't kill him yet. And they just they, they just kept sticking the needle in his arm. And then um, when Stephanie went to the hospital the next morning, and she went up to Tom, and he'd been zapped with phages several times. Okay. Um, and she went over to him and, and grabbed his hand. And he came out of his coma... Oh. opened his eyes and looked at her and then closed his eyes and fell asleep and right. never went back into the coma again. And um, they continued to treat him with phages. And, and that was like, I think in 2017, I think, um, uh, and and he's still alive and he's well and he's cured and he recovered and, and he recovered he came back to life and and I share this this is the first time and this book is written by two scientists Tom and Stephanie wrote it together these two scientists they got a big big uh, uh, advance from the royalties for the royalties. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it became, and it's changed the way medicine treats certain illnesses. It's changed the way. Let me ask you, how did he catch it? Was it something he ate in I Egypt? Don't I don't know. Was, I'm, you know, the know reason why I say I that is how. like. He caught it in the hospital. Oh, he caught it in the hospital. He caught already. it in the hospital. And, oh. and, and, and Egypt was famous for having that, that, that superbug. There was, there was, they were infamous for that. And he caught it there. That's what happened. Okay. I thought he had caught it when he was still. No, he just caught there. It. He he caught it in the hospital. Wow, that's when he caught it. But but um, the let me tell uh, you, that's a oh, yeah, you were right though. He lost that weight, I bet, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, not the one, way he one, wanted to. But one of the one of the first times I saw him after he came out of his coma and he was up walking around and um, you know, I looked at him the first time I saw him. 
you, you know, and, and I said to him, well, Tom, you look great. Uh, I know an easier way to lose a hundred pounds, you know, and, <laughs> and everybody laughed like hell, you know, but, 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 and, and I mentioned in the book many times, and this is a book written by scientists for scientists. And, and, and I mentioned in the book 26 times, although that was only about 10% of the work I did. Well, still it was but it was there and it is there and it opens the door for the generation behind me of course to be able to make a contribution that's 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 what it does and and that's really what i'm so proud of that that you know i i did this for us me like my my people well this is the thing that um i think a lot of times people think only of psychic work as in like what I said earlier, you know, people calling about like relationships or stuff that's more, how can I Monday, say, you know, every day, you know, like, oh, am I going to get that job? You know, no. <laughs> that kind well, of deal. You know, as Tony Soprano talks about, you know, loan sharking, you know, it's my bread and butter, you know, right. yeah. <laughs> so it's the same thing in my world. Yeah, that's my bread and butter. You know, am right. I going to be okay? Uh, am I going to keep my job? Am I not going to keep my job as my sure. husband? that that that's that's the bread and butter i'm mm -hmm. i'm privileged enough to be able to get these big jobs right and also and i'm sure also because you've you know this person you had a lengthy relationship with her before oh, well, that she was, believed my you, number absolutely. Was up. that's right i it was my turn that's right that's what you know that she believed in you like you know and that's really considering that she was a scientist oh yeah which always want that evidence empirical, like, yeah, let me, I want the facts, but she's yeah. still like, see, that goes to show you that the, inside all these scientists that say, nah, I don't believe in the psychic stuff. I'm sure. Um, she didn't when she came to me for a reading and then, and then she did. And she has no problem telling the world as a, as a as an epidemiologist, as a scientist, she she doesn't understand how it happens, but right. she knows and has seen it happen. And I think where a lot of them run into problems is when they can't explain how, then they choose not to. Yeah, just sorry. because they can't explain how, they can't sorry. model it, they well, can't yeah. reproduce it. So it's like no, nah. but right. there you go. Yeah. It, Robert, it has been wonderful to Thank speak you. to you. For my podcast listeners, where should they go to? What is your website? Well, there's, there's a couple of things you can you can. Um, well, my website www.robertlindsaymilne.com, just as it's spelled right there, um, okay. and you can find me on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, iHeart, um, UK Paranormal uh, um, Radio Network. Um, and and if you're and I still do reading, so you can get me on my website okay. and uh, all those things. And I have my own podcast, oh that one. And it's well, called I was gonna say, yes, my side. It's called My Side of the Crystal Ball, and you can find that on all those places too. Right, because this is like the other side. You're the the psychic as far as what right. life is like That's right. there. That's right. Of course. That's right. So you, you must have a lot, yeah. so many great stories. Thank you. I'm sure you must have heard things that you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I do. I, I I haven't heard it all, but I've heard a lot. And and um, at this point in my life, um, at either end, I've I've I've. 
if I find anything new, it's uh-huh. extreme. And and I often don't want to see it. Right. It's like, but I had heard I had something mm-hmm. you don't hear every day. And I know exactly, exactly. That's you the know. thing. It's like, oh, that one again. <laughs> I And I'd rather have that than, oh my God. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Has anybody ever confessed to like a crime, like serious crime, like a murder or hinted at it that you're like, oh, don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm a psychic, not a priest. <laughs> um, on a couple of occasions, um, yeah. I've, I've told them I don't want to know. All right. Shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell them that. Um, I will not give you. Uh, uh, I, I I will not give you confidentiality. Right. Um, if, if you tell me, so if you tell me, I'm telling. Shut you. up. That's right. So so please don't. And and um, could you just please leave now? I that must have that must have wigged them out. That must have wigged them. What out. did I kick them out? I, yeah. Well, the, the the thing of the. Uh, because, you know, because I have a feeling not all the time. I, I think there's people that commit crimes and horrible things and they take it to the grave. They have no problem. But there's other people that for some reason need to share it with somebody, anybody, you know. Um, in the early days, earlier, as in up until around 40, I got tricked a few times by some sociopaths. But I, I don't mm-hmm. get tricked very often anymore. Ah, I, you know I, all the I, earmarks, huh? Well, I know what it feels like. I know what the energy is. Um, they, they, they can be real in in their lying, um, but the energy's just not quite as full. I, I guess that's, that's about. Um, that is so interesting. See? Yeah, but going back to, I, I, I think I talked like when we first started talking about about mm-hmm. recognizing what it feels like when you're right and what it feels like when you're wrong. So I would go to that reference. Okay. Is this, is, oh, this is this, what what's this feel closer to? Right. And and you know, and usually I'm right. Yeah. And and before I make my decision, I'll you know I'll I'll check it even farther. Sure, of course. Robert, it has been Thank absolutely you. great. I'm going to have a you. link to the credit of the show. I, I could talk to you for hours. I mean, I'm sure that. <laughs> yeah. Do you did you have you written a book? No. Or are you? You need to write a book. Well, I need to learn how to write better. Um, no, but, but have to, somebody dictate to somebody then. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So my focus in life is taking care of the situation in front of me. I can't solve world hunger. Oh, of course. Not. I can't create world peace. What I can do is feed the hungry person in front of me. I can distract people if they're fighting to st- help them stop fighting. Sure. Um, and that's what I can do. Right. And, and, and I like to do that and see what I'm doing rather than a concept of, of um, helping. So I focus on helping that person in, in, in front of me in the moment. Right. The destiny is to cross paths with you. Mm-hmm. That's correct. That's right. And yeah. and um, and 
I always, always, several times a year, I cross paths with people that they cross paths with me that they're in the midst of a a, a, a physical crisis and, and mm -hmm. my intervention exactly. saves their life. Like they didn't get hit by a car or, sure. you, you know, they didn't have, they, they didn't succumb to an overdose of fentanyl or, mm -hmm. you know, and these things happen, you know, several sure. times a year. And you're there to give the warning. I'm there to give up. the warning or but, to pull them out of the water, so to speak. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you again, Robert. And it's been absolutely wonderful. I hope you're going to come back to the show because we got any time. Just let me know. I, you know, talk to Michelle and say, "Hey, have him back on, and uh, yes, yes, I'll be yes, there." Yes, yes. Absolutely. Thank again, you. thank you. Good luck to you. Thank and you. Happy New Year. Thank you, and same to you. Thank you for having me on. On the contrary, it's been my pleasure. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wow. <laughs> okay. Close to three hours, so I'm gonna make keep this short. It's been great. I that's you know how many stories, 50 something years of psychic readings, and that's the ones. And, and he you can tell he's a he's a real gentleman about some of the stuff that he discloses, and I understand why. But I'm I'm not kidding, he should write a book, you know, like you know, dictate it to somebody because it would be a runaway bestseller. Because again, some of these things, it's like, how can I say? Um, ordinary people sometimes, or in, in ordinary situations, things happen that, you know, what, what is it? Uh, life is stranger than fiction. It's true. You know, yeah, a lot of us live regular lives as an unexciting, which sometimes that's not a bad thing. But then sometimes you will have, especially when people come to see a psychic, you know, that you see a side of them or about their lives that are like, what is the world is this? And let me tell you something, that thing that he described at the beginning, being a teenager on the streets, that's, I mean, obviously he made, he did well for himself, but that, that's very, um, I felt bad. I felt bad. And this was many, many, many years ago. And obviously, like I said, he did well for himself. And unfortunately I know that happens, um, you know, when uh, a teenager, you find uh, life on the streets is better than being at home. That's that's got to be pretty bad. That's very bad. That's very very bad. You know when you have the this is your choices and living um, by your wits on the streets is better or safer than being at home, which is where you should be as a child. Because I'm sorry, I know there's people out there that go Marlene, a 13, 14, 15 years old. Well, you know what? In my book. At that age, you're still a child. You're an adolescent. How's that? You're in the bridge between childhood and adulthood, but still, the streets is no place for a child. Oh, there you go, Marley. All right. So anyway, guys, come back next week. I have a lot of interesting guests coming on. I will be bringing Robert. This is so, so great. What a great interview. I will be bringing him back because I got to tease more stories out of him. Everything, everything was so interesting because, again, for those people that think that just going to the psychic is like, oh, is so-and-so love me? Will he come back? Or am I going to get that job? Or am I going to keep that job? See, there's more to it than that. So till next time, guys, take care. And even though it might be a little bit staggered, Happy New Year. Expect good things.